G'day folks, it is The Coach here and I have an absolute legend of a guest, someone who I used to play with quite a lot, um, had amazing games with this, this fine specimen of a wargamer, and unfortunately he left our shores, but he's overseas educating the masses on how to be an absolute legend. Uh, I am The Coach as always, and I'm here with my amazing guest, it is Dan Unsupervised, you may recognise him as the man riding a kangaroo on The Honest Wargamer, Dan G'day. G'day, mate. Oh, it's good to hear an Australian accent again. Now, I know that I did hear that you obviously pointed out that I am over here educating the masses. Now, some might like to say that I'm a messiah uh, and they'd be right. They'd be right. They'd be completely right. That's exactly what I am. Um, just, just don't do what I've been doing recently. I've been taking the mickey out of my wife, telling her how much of an influence I am. Com oh, yeah. Completely taking Mickey and I'm walking around like with my hands, you know, I probably can't see it. Like, you know, walking around like a messiah and I'm like, look, you know, time's going to get tough when I set up an OnlyFans, but, uh, you know, you'll, you'll let me do my thing. I'm an influencer. And she's just like, shut up. <laughs> you are influencing nothing except the couch you'll be sleeping on tonight. <laughs> Literally influencing nothing. But, um, Dan, uh, for anyone who doesn't know Dan, he formerly was Dispossessed Dan. He kind of evolved uh, like a free guild guard, became, becoming a Stormcast and being reforged. But uh, Dan and I, we, we go way back. Dan does come from, uh, well, I'd say you come from Sydney, but you did play in Sydney for a while. Uh, had a cracking game at the Australian Masters, the very first one. Funny, Ooh. funny to think that it was the dispossessed versus the free guild yeah. at the Masters. Oh, that, that was uh, back before they were anything as well. Like ooh, we had no allegiance man. abilities. Hell no, we didn't have shit. I could, I remember, I have a horrifying memory of throwing my stuff at free at your free guild for an entire game and just watching them die and being like, okay, how do I get through? Maybe this is the answer. And then just whatever it was dying, I'm like, all right, that didn't work. Salsted Prime, in you go. And then him dying and be like, okay. <laughs> he failed to die. I remember, I think it was like a game or two before that game, I played Matt Campbell and Matt Campbell had Blades of Corn and he was going to run at my guys. He's like, I'm not charging you. I'm like, that is the most uncorn thing you could possibly yeah, do is not charging these little generic humans. But he's just like, nah, I'm not charging you. But it was also like that game was awesome because I hadn't come up against Free Guild before and I was suddenly like wicked. And then when I faced them at CanCon the next the, the next year, the start of the next year, I was really, really stoked. It was it was so uh, so awesome to play them again and be like, I've got an idea. You know, like I was like I've after getting absolutely rinsed in that and scraping out like a few kills like it wasn't they weren't even victory points i was like i'm just gonna get a couple of kills um it was i then went into the next game being like all right like i've got a i've got a chance in this because of my previous encounter with these gun wielding mustachioed banditos it was awesome uh, uh it was it was great i loved it i honestly i had a, a, it was a, it was an awesome game when i played you and then when i played them again it was still an awesome game like i i dig some of those old school allegiances but unfortunately not to be anymore not to be but you, look it's great to have you here uh you are a man of of bearded tastes um we're here to talk all things sportsmanship and uh dan and i dan and i've been talking for a long time about this particular topic and i think it's something that we don't talk about enough uh, and that is whether you call it sportsmanship, gamemanship, whether it just talks about being just a good human. Um, how do we explore that, I guess, on the tabletop? And, you know, 
for all the tournaments that I've been to with Dan, Dan is either rated as the best sport and le- legitimately given an award and a little trophy to kind of walk away with, or has always been nominated as just an amazing opponent. So the purpose of today really is to discuss what makes a good opponent, what you can do on the tabletop to be a better opponent. Um, and it's all about those like verbal and non-verbal clues that we kind of have. Like there might be some things unconsciously you're doing that makes you a good opponent or some things that you might be doing that really upset your opponent. And maybe by dialing it back or changing your behavior, you could get a really good outcome and a really good game. Um, whatever, whatever game. And like, you know, Deke, Deke's in the chat already. He's talking about playing you at Moab and just saying how, despite you smashed him, um, he just thought you were an absolute gentleman and he loved playing you. So it was rough. I actually remember that because I mean, his blood knights are beautiful and real. Uh, let's put that out there. Uh, not, not, uh, not edited up, uh, uh, dragon princes, which was still the, the in fashion at the time. But the thing that was rough is that his entire army had that plus one armor save if you didn't have rend. And my entire army was, yo, we packing so much rend. So it was uh, it was just, oh man, it was a rough matchup for them. Uh, and I won't lie, I was stoked to get it because I was like, I'm going to shoot all those sexy little uh, vampire boys into bits. And it was, it was great. Yeah, and me. he says that even though, like, if he would have beaten you in that game, he would have been best death at that. And I know that was a big goal. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. It was like the, the, the heartbreak oh, that you stopped him from walking away with best death. And Liam, <laughs> Liam walked away with best death. Uh, his heart broke. But, the, so but it sorry. kind of. That's right. I forgot that. Oh. But it segues nicely to the fact that uh, even though that uh, you know Deke uh, didn't get the victory over you and he didn't win best death because of you, he still remembered you three or four years later thinking about you as an opponent, uh, being a great opponent, a really great game, win, lose, or draw. And I think all of us probably aspire that our opponents are going to think about us in a very good light. They're not going to walk away thinking, oh, that Dan guy, he's a jerk, he's a cheat, we don't like, I don't want to play that guy again. You want to you want to really walk away having a really good game with your opponent. Is that is that a fair assumption? Yeah, like I I honestly I've, I've come to to feel like it's not necessarily always that you just want to walk away uh, being best mates. I don't necessarily need to be best friends with everyone I play, but walking away being like that. I'm so glad I played that game of Warhammer. That's that's the thing that I would love if I could do one thing every game I play. I would hope that I could do that. It's not possible every time, but if you, it's like at work, I tell the people I work with that they fall into one of two categories, <laughs> that they're either people who make my day and my job easier and more fun, or they make it harder and more frustrating. There's no in between. There's no gray. So if there was no gray, I'd much rather people walk away being like, that was a game I was really happy to play as opposed to like, that was a game that I would rather forget. So let's let's maybe set the scene here. And um, for some people, they may not have even thought about this concept because uh, I know in Australia where we come from, um, our tournaments and our events have this little thing called sportsmanship, where it might have points associated to it. It might just be a, a guide that's that you know it might be a checklist or them. This thing called sportsmanship. So from your point of view, what is gamesmanship, sportsmanship? What does it mean when it comes to tabletop miniatures? and Age of Sigma, or maybe just tabletop in general? Well, okay, so I would actually say for me, uh, the the concept of like being a good sport and being everything like that is almost separate from it. And I've, I've heard people who, who have 
and I've spoken to her when I was over in the UK and even when I was down at uh, LVO talking to people who had differing opinions. And that's because they don't understand that for us, when we say sportsmanship and gamesmanship is in an o- applied to your overall score in an Australian tournament, it's not, a, it's not a subjective thing. It's an objective thing. It'll be like five questions and it'll be like, did your opponent roll all of their dice clearly and tell you what they needed to, to, to roll before rolling? Did your opponent uh, clearly explain what abilities they were using? Did, Did they, they arrive at the table on time? On time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That kind of a thing. And it's not because that way, if you say they didn't, the TO can literally go up to you and be like, tell me why you didn't give them this. And they say X, Y, and Z happened. And the TO goes, great. And if their next opponent does the same thing, then maybe they can go and impact that player. Now, I know that, and credit to them, there have been a couple of players that I've played against who had a TO go up to them and say, hey, mate, just letting you know, People have been been kind of dinging you for this, and I just want to know. And the players were like, "Oh, right, yeah." Uh, that that you know, they had absolutely no idea what was going on. And then when it popped out, they were like, "Oh shit!" And they they kind of adjusted their behavior in the same way that when I played Dispossessed, they have like eight different rules that are called grudge. And then it wasn't until one uh, someone I played mentioned it to the TO, who then came and spoke to me, and I was like, "Holy shit, yeah." I just, I, because I play them all the time, I sit there and go, oh, so this is going to, he's going to do that because of the grudge. And I explain all the grudges at the start of the game. But then by the time you get to the end of the game, I've just been saying grudge so much because I love the word. But whoever I'm actually playing against, they don't have any idea what those rules are. Oh, Zach Maples, what a bloody legend. Yeah, thank, thanks, for, thanks for the, the donation. That's awesome. Uh, look at you! It's such a it's such a twitch. Uh, I love it. It needs some little flashing lights, but uh, yeah. I do I do appreciate that. Thank you very much, Zach. Um, yeah, no, look, you're 100 percent correct, and it's interesting because um, so I guess you know being being you know Mr. Worldwide or being a content that obviously isn't just specific about Australia. Um, you know, some events do have these sports rankings, and you do have things that you uh, like a checklist. But then you've also got, even if it wasn't there, right, you know, it's about the behavior, it's the expectations, it's about what we bring to the table to ensure that our opponents have a good game. Now, now it's not my complete responsibility to ensure you have a good game because I, I think I think we both need to come to the table with, with, a, with the focus of supporting each other and having a good game. Does it mean that when I'm at a tournament, I'm going to bend my rules and bend over backwards to ensure my opponent's having a bad game and throw the game? It doesn't. Hmm. But I think what it really means is that when we get to the table, there are these spoken and unspoken rules that, that are going to ensure that we have a good time, how, regardless of how the dice roll. Regardless on what happens on the table, we should both walk away feeling like, yep, that was a good game and I would be happy to play you again. Yeah, for sure. And I I would say that the, a big part of that that doesn't get said a lot is how, how like you want to be magnanimous in victory and gracious in defeat, right? That's that's there. I can't, I think it was when I was in like playing under eight soccer that they said that. And I was like, yeah, that's a really good idea. But I had no idea what they were talking about. And, uh, and I thought it was a really good concept and I think it applies well, but something that I think we often do that goes the other way is people try to go too far in the reverse. Like if someone, when someone wins, something that I realized that I started doing a while back was I almost apologized for beating them. And then, and then I realized I was doing it and I was like, that's fucking stupid. So 
If my opponent beats me, I kind of want to give them room to celebrate. They beat me. It's a tournament. They should. It's a competition. We rocked up to compete. If we're playing narratively, different story, but especially in tournament play, give your opponent room to win. And uh, and I would say that uh, over here, I have played no one who does that better than uh, than V. Uh, so she's, her name's Cool Bunny uh, in the Twitch chat and stuff. My goodness, she's a great game. She'll like, when she's killing your models, she's just like, yeah, gotcha. Like she plays witch elves and Slanesh. So she's obviously a terrible person. But uh, but then uh, when you're playing her, yes, she's shit talking you. And yes, she's doing it. But it's such a wonderful game. And we've had this back and forth where we've almost played each other every tournament. And I think I had two up on her and then she beat me. And every time I won, she'd give me room to celebrate, if that makes sense. Like she would... By her actions, she would allow me to feel good about winning. And I was just like, that's such a really tough skill because you don't want to make your opponent... They've just played you for three hours. They may have won a very hard-fought victory. And if you don't give them room to celebrate, you're kind of cheapening that. And so, yeah, yeah it's in the same way that... Uh, and when people talk about sportsmanship, you see every sport, you don't just get to be a douchebag. Like at tennis, if someone's an absolute ring hole then they will like pull them up and they'll they'll be like warned a couple of times and then fined and kicked out. There is no sport anywhere in the world where you get to be a douchebag and get away with it. So people who say that it doesn't have a place in war dollies, I'm like, I'm I'm really sorry. You unless we're talking like glad no, even gladiatorial bloodbaths back in Roman days had like a code of conduct and honor. We can do the same. We can for sure do the same. And, I, and I've seen plenty of games where people don't want to play someone again because mm. they've had a bad experience on the table. They're like, I, I, I'm, I'm dreading the day that I play opponent again. Or mm. if I, I, I've seen it get to a point where they've said, if I get drawn up against a certain opponent, I'm going to forfeit. Yeah. I do not want to play this opponent again. So I know we're kind of getting to the weeds a little bit, but mm. this is what we're kind of talking about, guys. When we're talking about sportsmanship, we're talking about, um, you know, just general games gamesmanship. It is just essentially the code of conduct, the ethics, the behavior, everything that wraps around, I guess, when you and I meet at the table, mm. how do we have a good game, whether the dice fall in my favor against me. If something goes bad, we should walk away feeling that it's a good game. And, you know, if the dice roll differently, it could have been a different outcome, but I would be happy to play you again with the same list or a different list in a different situation. This would be another game I'd, I'd highly enjoy. And it, you, the same thing is it's like, I've played people a second time with the same list that kicked the ever living snot out of me. And being happy to go back into that game and be like, all right, round two, let's see if I can do slightly better. Like it's it. And that's uh, like, it's an attitude thing from the person playing it. And some people go to tournaments to win. That's their, that's their fun in the hobby. And I'm not going to take that away from you. You can have that as your fun. But the one that then annoys me is when you see people apologizing for it. I'm like, no, just embrace it. Just be like, I'm here to win and I'm, I'm going to go hard and I'm going to try. And the, the only downside I sometimes see to that attitude is those people can be the poorest losers because the unfortunate truth is that if you set out to win, there is only one place in that tournament that is a positive outcome for you, which is if you're first. So if you have any little stumbles along the way, you don't have a positive outcome. Whereas if uh, people who uh, say maybe focus a little bit more on the games and they want to do well, 
there's uh, more options for them to succeed. There's more avenues for success in their tournament experience. Oh, that was very good, Tony Robbins. Thank you mm, for that yeah, motivational speech. Yeah, that's so great. And now I'm going to teach you all to, uh, what was the movie with Jack Black, Shallow Hal? I'm going to teach Shallow you all to their true personality, yeah. But, you, but you've raised a wonderful point is that um, the expectation setting um, at the tabletop or even the expectation going into an event. When I go to an event, you know, uh, a, a person who has a, a, usually a good outcome at the, at the tournament is often the person that doesn't say, I'm going to go win the event. Mm. They're the person that's going to say, I would like to win more games that I lose, or I would like to win four out, four out or five or three or whatever that number may be, but I want to have five great games. Yeah. That is my outcome. My outcome is I want to meet five new opponents. I want to have five good games. I'd like to win, but not necessarily be that my mm. sole outcome is to crush my enemies, get a 10,000 yeah. kill points, go five and oh, yeah. and prove the world that I am professional in Warhammer and I'm going to quit my job and go pro with all of the millions of internet dollars available for winning LVO, CanCon, and just, yeah, just let it yeah. rain. Yeah, that's it. And, and if, if that happens, I'm not saying you don't celebrate. Like, don't rock up there and take the Galmaraz Hammer Trophy and act all small. Like, rock up there, pick it up, and point at everyone and just scream, bow, peasants! Like, you can celebrate and enjoy your victory. Uh, it's about how you do it that matters, I think. And, and that's, that's where I think it's, it's a, a little bit can be tough at times to remember that the person playing you is a human being. Um, and I, I've been guilty. We've all been guilty of it. We are, everybody who plays War Dollies, we sometimes get a little bit taken, uh, like, like overcome with the competitive aspect. Uh, and that's okay. It's a competitive game. You see it in sports all the time, but it's how you handle it. Like, yeah, uh, there's plenty of times where you've got to take the pressure off, you know, like much like driving a car, you've got to put your foot down or kind of pull, you pull back a little bit sometimes. But let's go to the root. Let's go right. We've kind of defined what sportsmanship or gamesmanship is. Um, what what are some of the characteristics that you see or what makes you uh, – and I'm, I'm not trying to put you on a pedestal here. I'm not mm. saying that Dan Unsupervised is the greatest sportsman that ever lived because you probably would agree uh, with that you statement. Would. You but really would. It would. Like, you know, clear clear athlete, you know. Um, <laughs> so attractive as well. Uh, just that's a really humble. tough one. Uh, very humble. And humble. Humble humble is definitely a characteristic of a good sport. But definitely. what makes somebody a good sport? Honestly, I – I, a good sport, I think, is somebody who is interested in in both players having a like walking out of the game with with joy in some regard. Whether it's a tiny moment, like it, it can be a tiny like little storyline moment that you create. Whether it's a, a an awesome person that you play against, I have had intensely hard fought battles with someone where it's clearly that we've gotten to like turn three and we're both in it to win it like we've both got a shot it's like game four of the tournament and it's managing expectations is what i would say of the person that you're with like and we i've been like look hey like well before we roll for priority this is on a knife edge so clearly we're both we're both heading towards the top let's play hard no hard feelings and once we finish the game we'll 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 kiss and make up and everything but like you have carte blanche for the next two turns to play as gamey and as hard as you want. And I'd love the same in return. Are we cool? In the same way that before a game, I would always tell people that I will like play to, uh, uh, what is it? Um, 
intent. You know, like if if you say, so my movement is this, you're this far away, so I'll need a seven to charge. Do you agree? I'd be like, yeah, of course I agree. And then if it conspires that when we measure it, they need an eight, I'd be like, when we measured it before, you needed a seven, all good. So for me, it's a it's honestly about managing your expectations. Yeah. And that that isn't a bad thing. That's not saying lower them. That's just saying that when you rock up to the table, when you're talking to the person you're playing against, be fair with them in the same way that you would to yourself. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and when I think about gamesmanship as well, uh, I, I do think that what sets the tone, and I remember that every opponent that I meet, um, in, in most cases, it's, it's the first time I'm meeting that opponent. You know, yes, I absolutely have the luxury of, you know, getting to play my friends again and getting to, you know, play people I've played it in the past. But often enough, when I go to a tournament or an event, I'm playing someone for the first time and they have a different expectation that I have. They have a different reality that I have. They've come to this tournament for a, diff a different reason that I have. So that first five to seven minutes for me has been absolutely critical to oh, understand yeah. my opponent because if I if I can't relate to that person, this is going to be a, ro a really long three hour game. Mm -hmm. You know, two two and a half two and four two hours forty five minutes plus fifteen or thirty minutes of deployment, whatever that tournament yeah. rules might might set. But you know, yeah. it's essentially a three hour game. Um, that's a long three hours. Mm. Oh, and, and and that's that's. It's it, well. I think that the effect effectively it's the same thing as if you knew you were going to be sitting beside someone on a plane for three hours, and you had to interact with them. You can't just put your noise canceling headphones on and watch The Office for three hours. Like you could squeeze what, uh, three nine episodes. That was terrible maths, but it is my Friday. All of you be patient. That was a good assumption. Yeah, yeah I like uh, it. Like like you could squeeze nine in there, uh, and ignore them completely. Can't do that. You have to interact with them. You may as well make it okay. Like yeah. you, you like, and ultimately, we have this wonderful shared language of war dollies. Whether you're narrative, competitive, like whether you are, are all about painting and construction, whether you just love the the law, and you play based on the law, we've got a shared language. Look at the person and just be like, where where can I connect with you? Because if you finish a game no matter how competitive i remember playing dave kerr when he was coming off uh, i think this was just when he was coming off back-to-back -back masters wins with nurgle when they were the new hotness in yep. round four of cancon and god damn that was a competitive game and it was tight i had him on the ropes and i will i lost the game i lost the game the prime let me down the goddamn prime failed to charge and then couldn't hit a barn door with a machine gun if he was firing from that the prime always that prime always fails you by the way i <laughs> shamed him so hard and then they changed his rules so he always gets it but yeah like that game was really competitive really tight and dave was an absolute gentleman the whole game Just, even when he was doing things where and he'd be like this is going to suck for you and i was like yep sure is like it was still it was in a place of like mutual respect it wasn't like i'm going to make you cry because i want to taste your tears uh and he probably would have if i did but i i think that that was a really that was a really cool moment to play that game against him and be like he's the master he's got everything to play for and everything to lose no one would blame him right now for being really competitive and really gamey and he didn't he was 
spectacularly fantastic to play against. It was one of the most competitive games I've ever played, and I would play it again in a heartbeat. So, and, 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 and maybe before I go to this question, I, I want to drill down a little bit. And you mentioned just before the Dave Kerb moment, and, and Dave's great, by the way. I, I've, I've had the pleasure of playing Dave, and he is absolutely clinical. I remember him playing the game, and I remember him looking at my army, and he's like, I'm going to outdrop you. This is what I'm going to do. You can't do much about it. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. And like he wasn't a jerk about it, but you know, like he was very he knew what he was gonna do yeah. and he executed it perfectly. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, good game. You yeah. you, you did Sweet. what you're gonna you said you were gonna do, and um, you know, and we still happens. had fun and we still played it out. Um for anyone wondering what he did, he had the changeling, popped it up behind the line, shot down my general at the time, uh, was the only person who could could use command abilities, uh, which essentially just like neutered my whole army because the changeling deployed at the back of your line. He, he was invisible. He turned one, used his uh, used his destiny dice to just like absolutely Thank pop you. my pop yeah, pop everything, got summoned on the bail win. It's like <sighs> Yeah, yep, game. Yeah, yep. But you mentioned rapport. Uh, you didn't mention specifically rapport, but you mentioned a common language. And that's something that we often forget, right? You know, we all have different sports or movies or television or music or whatever interests us. But when we're at an event, a tournament, an event, uh, we're playing with each other, we have this common language of Warhammer. We all like Warhammer. We all like Age of Sigma. We all like Games Workshop. We have something in common at minimum. And whether it's complimenting your opponent's army, whether it's just asking them how they got started, whether it is asking them how their event's going so far and what's their track record or who they've played against, uh, we have this common language that we can start building a relationship. And you know what? I may not add them as a Facebook friend or a Twitter, you know, follow them on Twitter after the game. But we've got something that's going to keep us entertained for the next three hours mm. when we're rolling dice, but also when we're not rolling dice. Mm. I, I think the, the a phrase that, that I heard when I was really young is that interesting people are interested. And I I remember like hearing that and being like, oh, yeah. And I, I dig hearing other people's stories. And, and when we're playing the game, like it's a it's a fun game. If you wanted to be isolated in a room playing a game and kicking 12 different shades of hatred out of somebody, you would be playing video games. You wouldn't choose Warhammer. Warhammer is so much more expensive. It's so much more time consuming. It's so much more investing. And it takes three hours to play a game. That's excluding the time that you took to set up and travel to and set up the game and then pack up the game afterwards and go home. Like you... You could get, if, if winning was your satisfaction, you could get that much, much better, much more cheaply and much more regularly and probably make more money doing it. Like there is, literally Warhammer is the worst for all of those things. So if you've still chosen to do it, there's a reason. There's got to be a reason that you love it. And I think that every time you come in to play someone, that's very hard not to realize yeah, if you if you wanted that clinical experience, you would go to say Magic the Gathering, and I'm not ratting up Magic the Gathering, guys. I'm not ratting, ratting it out, but you do see tournament players who put their their headphones on. They don't really have to interact with their opponent yeah. because they're just responding to the cards. You don't have to rely on a dice roll. You don't have to hear a rule because you know everything's clearly articulated, and you can do the game in a very transactional way. While yeah. we really have um, a, a, a relationship building over time, mm. so. 
let me ask you, like, what's some of the, the examples that you've seen or things that you've done in the past that have helped you to be a good sport in the game? Uh, honestly, like uh, a big one for me is, and we're not always great at it, but I, I try to, I hate the gotcha moments. I don't think they're great. Uh, I've had a couple of times where, you know, like you explain your army over and over and over and maybe you, you miss a point. Um, but I, I go through, as I like go through my list with my opponent, I'll tell them, you know, this does this and I'll try to be really clear because if I beat someone and if I win, I would like it to be because I outplayed them, not because they weren't aware of this supreme tactical combination that I had. And sometimes that slips through the cracks for sure. But it, it happens with everything. Sometimes you mispredict it or you don't do things right or you're like, Jesus Christ, Iron Jaws still moves so fast, turn one. And it's a horrifying experience when you're like, and you're sitting there going, yep, you told me. Yes, yes, you didn't tell me. And I took that information. I didn't really pay attention to it. That's on me. Like you can have those, but I think a big part is like for the first part is being really clear with your opponent, what your army can do. And then like from on top of that, you don't have to tell them your, your battle plan, but at the start of the game, sitting down and just, getting to know them as a person. I, I, I don't care if it's the, the last game in a tournament and you're playing out on a stream or something like that. Shake their hand. Ask them how they're doing. Do they want a beer? Probably not. We're getting competitive. That's fine. Coffee, green tea, a little bit of Chopin while you relax and listen to Symphony Number no. 9. I don't know. But we can find those little moments together. And I think that, that it's cool also for me asking how their army has gone previously like like i always ask what's a cool story from your army that's a big one for me because i'm like tell we've all got that story like for me with my gut busters it's the time that my noblars took two wounds off nagash when he was a uh, three up re-rolling ones and then all of his death saves and he killed 40 noblars but 40 noblars took two wounds off nagash and uh, that's my favorite story about that army um and i i like everybody's got him like I'm sure that okay, you're free guild, right? Back back pre allegiance abilities, your free guild would at least have one story about like defying the odds, right? So uh, I'll tell you my, one of my my favorite stories from my gits. Um, so there's this bat this there's a particular battle, <laughs> so, this particular battle where my gits are against Sylvaneth. And um, uh, my my gits released of some fanatics, and the fanatics went into a Lariel. They, the fanatics generated 27 attacks um, because they do D6 attacks each. So out of five, I generated 27 of 30. Proceeded to kill Ilarial. Yeah, I got the no. double turn. Uh, 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 got the double turn. They then charged into Durthu, did 28 attacks. No! This one unit of fanatics <laughs> just went absolutely ham. Oh, it's just like, just swing at the ball. and But like... Absolutely out of left field, but you're right. Like there's, we, we all have stories. We all, um, and it's one of the reasons why when I, uh, when I meet my opponent and I'm chatting them and Hey, what you got, what's your name? Where you, where are you from? Especially for something where Australia, where, you know, our land is so diverse and people yeah. come from all a part of the country. Where are you from? What's your gaming club? Um, yeah, who, who are you here with? Um, when I hand that list over to them, uh, cause in Australia we do hand our list to our opponents. Um, Often, I'll, not often, I always have named characters. I always write the name of each of my characters on my sheet 
while it's a conversation starter, if you're a narrative player, yeah. you might ask about the narrative. But if nothing more, I've given you something to to start with, and it's my little story about mm. my kids, my free guild, my death army, whatever it might be. So my uh, my Dwarden uh, uh, Warden King has been my Dwarden Warden King since Warhammer Fantasy. Now, when he first started out, he was Barundun Stone Fist, and I painted his fist like a stone. And then I upgraded him to Barundun Iron Fist and Bronze Fist, and he's gone up the fist colors. He's now Barundun Gold Fist uh, in, in the Age of Sigmar. And so he's, he's, I don't know where to go next, like Diamond Fist or Platinum Fist. Like there's, there's really, I'm running out of limited options. Maybe Ether Fist, and I'll just give him some kind of weird uh, etheric hand. Uh, but like he, his, his whole shtick for me has been that like, like slow build of him. And it's, I love telling stories about the time that he personally drove off a doom bull in Warhammer fantasy or like all the different things. And we all have those stories. And I think one of my favorite questions to ask someone, and it's, it is like, tell me what the worst unit in your army has done. That was spectacular. Like, like the take take the your, your grots take your whatever what did they do that was unbelievable because that's the story where someone's like oh yeah my um my archers once sniped out a changeling or like like i, I had someone who had a unit of pistoliers back when pistoliers were not great that shot then in one round of shooting shot a gaunt summoner off of a bale wind and single-handedly turned the tide of the game and i was like that's so cool and so those pistoliers were like like clearly this player's pride and joy because they'd done that one thing they'd never achieved anything since but because and, of that and then you action, purposely go and kill them and you make them cry oh i destroyed them i was like they've done it once they'll do it again they will not see a second turn just like one of my war machine crew who was shooting at a gargant that was charging them once. And uh, I think the gargant was like three quarters wound and it still got into combat. And um, the, they end up killing the gargant with its like, you know, war machine tools. It's like its telescope or like its compass. It's just like stabbed it in its infected toe and the gargant's then just fallen over. Um, <laughs> See, that's, yeah. War machine crew kills are possibly the biggest embarrassments of Age of Sigma, which is why they must be celebrated. They are, you are terrible if you are a war machine crew. You have dedicated yourself to a life of poking things with pliers. And if you kill anything, you are you deserve of a parade. They Hit put on them fives, in the wound on Adelaide. fives. Yeah. Yep. Shocking. Jump in that war wagon and send it up, you know, parades yep. and banners. But you... <laughs> yeah. But you've, you've raised so many good points. I, I want to just pause for a second to make sure everyone kind of hears that. So first things first is you're asking a whole bunch of questions to your opponent. Now, it's not about just, it's not like, you know, you're, in, you're Inspector Dan and you're going to ask a million questions for asking a million questions. You're asking questions to build rapport, to find something in common, to build relationship, whether it's, you know, the, you know it might be simple, something simple like their name and write it down. Like when you ask for someone's name, write it down because the, the last thing or the thing that's going to get you to lose sportsmanship very quickly is if at the end of the game and you're filling out your little sheet, you're like, oh, what's your name? And it's like, we've just been playing for three hours <laughs> and you either don't remember my name or you never ask me for my name. Mm. Cool. See, and that and that's actually something I tell a lot of people because I'm I'm so bad at names. I'm terrible at it and I try so hard and I'm still not good. So when I meet people, I'm like, I am so sorry. I'm shithouse at this. It's a weakness. I've been working on it for years. 
for some reason, uh, maybe like I just copped a stocking around the head as a child, and for whatever reason, I can't do it. I w- I don't know where stocking around the head came from. Um, but uh, but I will. I will remember this entire game. I will remember your characters' names. I will remember the charges and the fails and everything. But I will struggle with the name. So please be patient. And that for me is a part of setting up expectations. Like if if you're, it's not that I'm not paying attention. It's that I'm bad at it. And so I'm like, I I would like you to know that this is a huge weakness of mine. And I am so sorry. It's not that I don't love you. It's that I am. I I shocking admission. I'm still not confident on whether Christmas Day is the 25th or the 26th. Like, I am 31 years old. Couldn't couldn't tell you if you asked me. I'm going to guess 25 because I'm born on the 26th. So I think that's why I get it confused. Just odd information gaps going on it's there. A 20, it's the 25th. Great, you, nailed it. That, but that, that's, that's another really good point. So um, whether I call it my kryptonite, whether I call it, you know... There's this moment in time and um, whether I win, whether I lose, and it's probably more, it's probably more dominant when I lose. Mm. When the game ends, I, I kind of go inwards into myself and I, it's not that I had a bad game. I, I, I reflect a lot and I think about how do I do better? How do I change the course? And if I had the opportunity to go back again, um, what would I do differently? Was there a dice roll? Was there a priority? Would, was the the army that I selected appropriate? But in 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 the maybe in the minds of my opponents, they might look at me going, "Oh, Anthony had a bad time. He doesn't look happy." And it has nothing to do with the opponent, but rather mm. it's my uh, it's my process. strategic process analyzation. Um, introversion type moments where I'm like, I'm going inside my head going right. And I'm not even thinking about my opponent. I'm thinking about like replaying the game, but it's like being up front with my opponent and, you know, just being very, very clear and being honest with them, I think is, is, yeah. is a wonderful thing you can do. Yeah. Because um, I mean, if I, if I'm playing you and we get to the end and I win and you have, you're taking that retrospective moment. If I know that for you, you're like, Hey, look, just so you know, I know I do this. I finish it when I lose. I'm going all a beautiful mind on this. Do you mind if we talk about what I could have done differently? And I'd be like, yes, for sure. I would. I love knowing that the reason that you're you're acting this way is because you're like 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 you're processing the game that we just played. I'm like, I'd love I'd love to be a part of that conversation. Whereas if you just go quiet and silent and stare at the table with a furrowed brow, I'm thinking to myself like. Oh shit! Have I upset him? Is he? Did the person's salty? They're angry. You know, like you, you, you're right. And and being open to feedback as well. And you know, I I see great opponents. They will ask, you know, if the game didn't go their way, it's like, would you have done something differently? You know, is there something that you saw that I should have done that I should consider? And I can take that feedback on and put that into practice. Literally, the next tournament game, Um, and they might go, oh, you know what? Look, I think you know this person. Uh, wasn't close enough to blah and you could have done x or uh when when that particular combat would have happened i would have done this as opposed to this I'm like cool okay and and being open to feedback um I, but i think oh yes yeah, you know going back to what you were saying earlier you were saying 
you know, have the conversation up front. It could just be asking them about their army, asking them about them as a human, finding out where they're from or maybe what games club they're a part of or, you know, what's happened on the tabletop so far. Um, you know, do they have a, a favorite model? And it might be very obvious just around, around the painting or mm. the basing or you might be able to tell straight off the bat what their favorite model is or maybe they've got a name on their general. Yeah. Um, it, I Honestly, it's... So I'd say there's two things that I think... Uh, if you struggle with it, there are two things I would suggest because they are two things that I started doing that have actually made me really happy and other people have commented and I mean, shit, like, like you play Warhammer to be happy. You don't play Warhammer to make other people happy. It's about making yourself happy and then you are a human being of the planet who also would like other people to be like enjoying spending time around you. So what I would say, the, the two, two things I would, I would suggest... Uh, a big one, one, is when you find yourself getting into that salty place, ask a stupid fucking question. Really dumb. Really dumb. Like, and I will lead people into it and I'll be like, hey, so I've got a question. You're, you're great. You s clinically took me apart like a surgeon with a scalpel and you did all of this and, um, and blah, 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 and X, Y, Z. And I just, the thing I really need to know is do you scrunch or fold and like and i find that i actually find that's cathartic for me like going through that process is i like i'll put all that into and as i say that into words and then i realize it's it's actually as important as whether you scrunch or fold like it's it's a beautiful competitive hobby uh but it's not like there's ten thousand dollars on the line yet maybe hopefully we'll see it in our lifetime but it's it, the old saying in hospitality is it's burgers and fries, not saving lives. And the same thing applies to war dollies. I am not saying that it is not competitive and not wonderful and spectacular, but let's, let's have just a moment of self-reflection. So that'd be my first one. Ask a stupid question because it'll start a conversation. But my Everyone second, who wants to know I'm a folder. Okay. I scrunch, I scrunch the shit out of it, but I'm an efficient scruncher. Um, I, I'm not wasteful very concerned about the planet use bamboo toilet paper uh which is expensive so that's why i have to be an efficient scruncher couldn't afford it otherwise um but the other one that i would say uh is that uh, a lot of people forget in in kind of the heat of the moment is to actually be genuinely and i mean when i say genuinely like it's true like you can be genuinely interested in how your opponent's game went like mm. they played you and you just spent the three hours or what in a tournament probably playing opposite them. Ask them how their game went. Cause they might turn around and be like exactly the plan. I read you like a book and you're like, yes, you did. Uh, and that's a fun conversation. Or it might be like, I remember the, the uh, Veronica who I mentioned before, cool bunny that I played the first game I played against her. She didn't commit. She had Marathi turn one, turned her into big Marathi and didn't commit her. She spent three turns on a flank without charging, and it crippled my entire flank. I didn't know what to do. I was like, she's combat Marathi, but she's not tearing me a new poop hole. Why is this happening? And I, I was paralyzed by indecision by it. And then when we spoke about it later, I was like, that was, I don't know if you know, but that was a spectacular move. Was that your game plan? And she was like, no, I just... I was thinking this and this and this. And I was like, it was like in a beautiful mind moment. Like you ruined like 
45% of the board for me just by doing that. And and I think that we we forget that sometimes that's such a fun conversation to have. Maybe it was a beautiful mistake. Maybe it was a, a ridiculous, like, like well-planned, orchestrated thing. But it can be awesome to ask those questions. How did that game play for you is a, is a great one. Is that something you always do with Marathi? Is this something that, and you know, you know, and it's something that in my professional world, uh, it's a concept that I talk about called being on the dance floor and being on the balcony. And like when this. you're on the dance floor. I don't know floor, what it is, but I want to hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you put yourself at a nightclub or put yourself anywhere, right? When you're on the dance floor, you, you can't see what the, da- the dance that other people are dancing. You know, you're just in the moment, you're dancing on the dance floor. But when you're on the balcony, you've got this overview of the the strategy. You can see, you know, the different little pockets. You can see Mm -hmm. if people are in succinct or if they're doing something completely different. And it's almost like the forest from the trees. But, you know, when you're playing the game and um, we're in the moment, we do, sometimes we do things without knowing. It's this unconscious kind of kick in. And when you have these moments of self-reflection, this is where you can turn the unconscious into the conscious. So Mm -hmm. if, if having Marathi on the flank works for you, perfect i'm going to try to do that more often and that's a wonderful way to explore the game and you know some of my greatest friends we do have these wonderful discussions and one of the reasons that liam is on down under sigma is because liam and i talk non-stop about games and we have self-reflection moments and we're completely honest with each other and sometimes when things don't go well you know we, we, we there's stories of salty liam but at the same time, like he, he's so passionate about his army and he just, he loves his army so much that he loves to have these retro, retrospectives. So being in the moment and, ha- and taking these moments um, after the game is critical. Uh, just to pull you back for a second, I love what you mentioned earlier about offering a drink. So little things like if, you know, and, and I drink a lot of water. So I go to the bathroom a couple of times during the I game. So I only drink water. Like I, I, I'll, I'll have like a, a liter to two liter bottle with me, and I'll drink two. it at the tabletop. Liter to two liter bottle with me at the tabletop. Completely agree. Yes, definitely. Oh yeah, no good. Go but, I'll, but, uh, but I'll, but but yeah, stay hydrated. But I'll go to the bathroom once, once, once or twice at the tournament. But I'll always take the opportunity to ask my opponent, "Do you want a drink?" Yeah. And you know, and, and, and sometimes I'll take the offer. Sometimes they won't. Um, I'd be very conscious of how often I take breaks during the game. And if I'm going to go to the bathroom, it'll literally be five minutes as quick as possible. I will literally <laughs> run. I'll literally run to the door. Oh yeah, yeah. Because th- that that break that that breaks the immersion. You don't want your opponent sitting there for five minutes, ten minutes, waiting for you. Like, going, what's going on? This is their game time as much as yours. So also, you know, at some point, I'd start to question their health. You know, like I'm like, I don't want him sitting there being like does he only eat carbs? Like what's his fiber intake? Like, I don't want them asking that, but I'm the same. Like I literally, I remember at LVO. Uh, so when I drink, um, my bladder is very generous, just the same. And so I'll be like, I'll hold it to the last possible moment. Cause I don't want to leave. And then I'll be like, I am so sorry. It's touch and go. And I'll jog. And then I'll like run back or like sweaty and shit because we're in a, hot convention hall but yeah it's the same right like you don't want to leave someone hanging 
be, be respectful of their time, whether it is making sure that your army is set up, ready to go. Um, you know, I, I advocate things like those um, those TV trays, the, the things that you can kind of walk around and you might give it to your mum for Mother's Day and you know, she eat breakfast in bed or some people steal McDonald's trays. I don't advocate that, but, you know, have some type of tray that basically allows you to transport your, your army across a convention quickly, is able to deploy quickly, um, and making sure that you're there on time. And that means not just for deployment, it also means you're present in the game for as long as possible and you find ways to speed that up. Um, yeah. And if you are going to take a break, like there's been plenty of times where I've said to my opponent, I'm going to go to the toilet or you finish your deploying. Um, I trust you. I'll say this to my opponent. I often don't know them, right? I'm like, I trust you. I'm going to go to the toilet for five minutes. Do your thing. Um, and usually it might be at the movement phase, right? Because that's that's the least interactive. Like, I doesn't he doesn't need me to move. Especially if, you're gonna... if they're a, if they're a horde army without movement trays, I'm I have I've literally been like, look, I trust you to do your thing. I'm gonna sit here, and I'm just gonna have a glass of water and take some photos. You do whatever you do. You don't need to explain it. If you're gonna cheat in round two of CanCon that there's literally like a, a start collecting box up as first prize for beating 240 odd opponents. Awesome. Good on you. The victory is not worth that to me. So, yeah. so having trust in your opponent now, you know, when we're talking dice rolls, you want to make sure that, and we talked about it earlier, you know, uh, were your dice rolls clear and that could be simply I'm going for threes. So you're declaring straight off the bat what number you're going for, and then you um, you roll the dice so it's clear that an opponent can see it, yeah. and then you remove the misses. Now that's one yeah. thing that you know that that I, I know I've had to talk to a lot of opponents is don't remove your hits, remove your misses so it's clear to see what actually hit. Because the moment you start taking dice, I, I can't validate if you got the three or a two because you've picked it up. And I've I have played some people who have big horde armies who have said, to speed this up, do you mind helping me? And I was like, for sure. And they were like, I'll pull out the misses, you pull out the hits. And I was like, what? And, and I remember, I, I can't remember who it was that first did it, so I'm doing them a disservice by not remembering. It's happened a few times since. But I was like, what a wonderfully like sportsman-like thing to be like, I'll take the ones that miss, you take the ones that hit. Like, you are literally responsible for my success. I was like, that's such a cunning way to do it. So, but it also meant that when they were rolling like 60 dice in a hand, rather than rolling three times and taking more time, it was roll once, pick, 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 pick. Then to wound, they'd roll and they were like, this is what I need to wound, rolled the dice and went, and I picked out all the hits. They picked out all the misses. We saw that like at the end, it was like, oh, these two we missed, cool, great. And I was like, that is such a cunning way to do it. And I was like, that is very clever. It's very honest. And it made me really respect the person I was playing. And there, there are other ways you can do it as well. Like I've been, I've, I've done this where, uh, let's say I've used a command point to do a reroll. You know, I might ask my opponent, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out my misses. Could you pull out my ones? So, and then I can reroll that. Yeah. Or if I do like mortal wounds on a six, can you pull out my sixes? Cause that's when the sequence ends and I'll clean up the hits and the misses here. Yeah. Um, yeah. there are little things that could speed up the game, but also again, keeps the game interactive, mm. um, and invite your opponent into the game. Yeah. And I, I think that that's one, uh, that's part of the reason we play it. And I, I, even though some people might not want to admit it or they don't realize it, 
for the vast majority of us, the reason that we choose to play War Dollies, as before mentioned, versus other options to give you the same level of satisfaction is because of the human interaction. Now, if the only reason you're playing a game for the human interaction is to break human beings, you should be on a governmental watch list of some kind. Uh, and and that, that for me is like, I, I would much rather be laughing with someone than crying with them. So we may as well enjoy ourselves and we may as well try to find ways to make them enjoy the experience of playing against us. A question that I wanted to pull out of the chat, Taylor has asked a really good question and that talked about taboos. Um, is, there, is there any taboo behaviors kind of that you've you, you've noticed, um, whether it's, you know, unspoken things that you want to avoid or things that you may not be aware that you're doing, but like, is there things that you just shouldn't do when it comes to playing a game or, you know, in, the way you interact with your opponents? Big, massive, yes, there are. Uh, so a, a huge one is wear pants. Um, like definitely right now, you and I are just two guys sitting here who are both definitely wearing pants from the that's, waist down. That's why I love TTS because there's no pants required. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but right now and, and at tournaments, you're always wearing pants. Uh, however, um, one of the things that I would say is, is like for me, I can forgive a lot of things because I've had people, I've gotten rules wrong. People have gotten rules wrong. In the early days of Azir, I remember playing a tournament and I had seven heroes and it said my army was valid. And like Azir, the, the army thing. And and we we actually we realized that I'd fucked up and had seven heroes, been playing all day at a, a one day. And uh, and like we kind of we resolved it, but then afterwards I was like, oh, that wasn't quite fair. So I kind of messaged the tournament organizer and was like, can we change this up? And and we all like, but shit happens. Like it does. It's how you deal with it that really, really, really matters. I think that the big thing is like how how you approach it and how you communicate about it as well. And I'm guilty of fucking that up just as much as the next person. Though I I can forgive a lot from someone who has the right attitude. I think is is yeah. the big thing because if you, you mentioned intention, yeah. you mentioned intention before. Is that there? There are times where, for example, um, and this is why I love our AOS reminders as an uh, as a tool, oh, yeah. is because right. it like has has a rules kind of, and if nothing more, it's just a, an opportunity. But there are so many rules, so many war scrolls, so many interactions, and there's also things like at the start, during, and at the end. And there have been plenty of times where there's something that I had to declare at the start that I might have tried to do at the end. And mm. I've just been in the moment. I've been mm. focusing. Like, I'll admit, I've made mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes. I think um, if you don't think you've made a mistake in this game, I think you're lying to yourself. It, it's about the intention. It's about pulling yourself up and learning from that mistake. If you notice during the game that you've made a mistake, apologize. See if, you know, what your opponent has to say. Um there's been a particular game at a tournament where I did something that I shouldn't have done. And I've went up to the tournament organizer and said, listen, this is what I've done. Uh, although I've won the game, I want to, I want to flip the result. Um, because, because I did something that I shouldn't have done and it was impactful enough yeah. that, that my opponent's like, Oh no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I said, no, no, no. If, the, if I didn't do that, that wouldn't have happened. And I don't think the outcome would have been the same. And I would rather walk away with a good, honest game than, that and, and especially you know being being a, a content creator, I think some people would just let me do my thing, but I'm like, look, I would, you're like, gorgeous. 
Oh, questionable at best, but you have a much like, better look. beard than me. Like you, not only have a more mighty beard, you have such a wonderful color diversity. I just have this odd patch of red here, and a little bit of like odd stuff. And for some reason, since the last time I grew a beard, I have this odd chin butthole that just like it separates around. I was going to ask you about your chin butthole. I'm trying to. I'm, um, I'm very self-conscious about it. My chin butthole. It's, 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 but I think to, to the point uh, before Dan distracts me is that um, be, be, be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your opponent. Uh, your opponent will respect you far greater. Because the thing that I would always hate, and, and, I, and I hope that no one out there in the world is talking about me this way, is I hope that no one's walked away thinking Anthony is a cheat, Anthony used his rules wrong, and he did this purposely. And I hope that, and, and I say this to everybody, is that I have the best intentions and i hope you, everyone thinks that if anyone did anything wrong it was a mistake mm. i think i've probably picked up dice wrong i probably um i probably used rules wrong whether it was a, a dice roll to hit was meant to be a wound roll or whether it was an interaction was different i think it's going to happen but i think to what you said it's the context it's about owning it and if you notice it it's about pulling it up and seeing what you can do to move forward uh, as opposed to lying through the rest of the game, and then your opponent finds out and goes, "Wait a second, they can't do that." Yeah, it's often uh, like I would say that as much as we like to think of ourselves as very, very worldly people, it's pretty obvious when people are often playing the fool in that regard. I mean, Hayden in the chat uh, makes a really good point, being like, "It's tough. Like being generous and friendly is lovely, but it's really hard when you see people constantly taking advantage." And I agree, but what I would challenge is that in confronting someone about a, uh, and I am in a training role now, which is so ill-advised, uh, but I hope they never see this, um, is that uh, I would argue that when you're confronting a, a behavior that you don't like, you have to not only think about confronting it, it's very easy to say, well, I'm just going to tell them I fucking hate it. The, the harder thing is to ask, how do you get the best result from what you're asking? And I would say that if someone's behaving poorly or if you're noticing that they're being really generous with their movement, saying, oi, dickhead, I would like you to be more tight with your movements, you might get the response you want, but you're also putting them off. Whereas if you turn around and, and you notice that turn one, they're being generous or turn two or whatever, and then turn three starting, you're like, hey, man, just want to let you know, this game feels like it's in the balance. I would really appreciate it if if you could that you and I could both just be really tight with each other on our rules and our measurements, just to make sure because, like, we obviously both want to win, and I'd like for both of us to be able to say we did it with an impeccable level of of rules, like like honesty. Sound fair? And I, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, "Yep, sweet." So it's not just about calling someone out. It's about doing it in a way that is going to have a positive outcome. Because if you tell them they're a dickhead, then they might, and they are a dickhead, they might be a dickhead. There are a lot of dickheads out there. I am one of them uh, at often times. But it's how you manage dickheads that matters. Yeah. yeah. And, and, if, and if it truly becomes like, you know, they're, they're just not listening, this is the moment to call over a tournament organizer. Yeah. Um, I, I can't stress enough how important calling over a tournament organizer is. 
Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, you don't want to feel like the bad guy. But I would rather you call me over as a tournament organizer so I can resolve a problem than it could continue to escalate over three hours. And then I, as a tournament organizer, I always dragged into the end of the game. And I'm like, guys, I can't be... The game is over. What do you want me to do at this particular point? And all I can do is be a listening ear. So so call over a friendly tournament organizer if you're required. Um, but there are simple things that you can do. You know, when you're measuring, you know, be clear with your measurements, clear the intention. Um, use dice to kind of mark out where the movement might end, right? Um, I think we're all loose when it comes to piling in. So there are, there are, there, there is, are there is so certainly loose. gives, there is gives, right? Like, like, like there, there is gives and there are takes. Um, if, if I'm going to be really strict with my opponent, they're going to be really strict to me. And again, this is kind of where tension and escalation happens. But if you're noticing that someone is clearly stretching the rules, um, I think what you said is really good is call them out, but don't call them out as if like you are a dickhead, but rather, you know, Make the, make it a positive experience the best as possible. And if it's still have it happening, um, call over a judge, call over an event organizer, um, and 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 kind of de-escalate the situation. Mm. And and yeah, for sure. Like like Hayden's saying, which is one hundred percent right. Sometimes being like, "Hey, can I see the war scroll?" is and when I ask to see the war scroll, I'm, it's not because I think you're necessarily a liar. It's because maybe. Maybe I have read the War Scroll recently, knowing that I'm playing your army, and like myself, I'm guilty of it. Until I played uh, Nathan uh, when I was over at Warhammer World, who also plays dwarves, and he pointed out that Longbeard's War Scrolls, one of their abilities, they changed the wording of it. Literally, like it's the same ability, same thing. They changed the wording. Now, I when the 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 update had happened into the new edition, I'd scanned it and I was like, cool, yep, everything's the same, yep, cool, they're great, cool. And I'd been playing Longbeards at that point in time for for years, and it wasn't until he pointed that out that I realized, holy shit, I've been playing it wrong. We are all completely guilty and completely fallible. Like we can all do it. And I I challenge anybody who plays competitive Warhammer, you do not recheck your war scrolls before each tournament. If you've been playing an army for five years, you might check it with an FAQ or an update. But before each game, you don't rock in there and be like, oh, I really hope I know what my ghouls do. Like, you, 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 we're, we're fallible. We make mistakes. When someone asks to see something, I am always very excited to show them because I'm like, yeah, let me show you how many shades of ass I'm going to kick with my Iron Drakes. Like, let's do this. Let, and sometimes you're wrong. Let me let me take it one step further. Let me yeah. take this one step further. What I do in a tournament is I will let the, my opponent know that this is my battle tome and they are welcome to read it if required. Mm -hmm. So if they want to know what my Witfire tome does, if they want to see the various interactions of my rules, because we all have the AOS mobile app and we've got all the war scrolls at our fingers. Mm -hmm. So if you do want to see what, what a rule does, you can do that. But things mm -hmm. like spells, artifacts, um, you know, command traits, blah, 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 they're going to be hiding in a tome yeah. so letting my opponent know that um these are my rules and if you if you want to read how my rules work i'm more than happy to do so because again i'm here for, for a clean honest game mm. um and that's a simple that's a kind of like a little indication that this is going to be a good game and my opponent is not going to walk away feeling like they've had a bad game because they had the opportunity to do so mm. and i think that 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 is a huge uh, level for a lot of people to to aim for and again that's avoiding the gotcha play 
It's avoiding and and you know what? If someone said it's a gotcha tournament before the game, you're you you just need to tell people what's in your opponent. I'd actually I'd I'd kind of play that tournament. If you told me that it's a gotcha tournament, you do whatever the hell you want. No one sees your list beforehand except for the TOs. They come by every game and confirm that what you've put on the table is exactly what you had. You don't tell your opponent shit and we play the game. I'd play that tournament. Like, not to say no, I'd play it and I'd try to do some dirty, messed up crap. But my opponents would be expecting that and I'd be expecting it of them. And again, that's where for me, it is all about expectations and managing people's expectations. Now, that sounds like, again, that I'm saying that you should be expecting low, but it's not the case. It's uh, telling them how do you, you feel that they're, they're there. Uh, and, yeah, I I don't think you can go wrong doing it. Um, I, I want to I ask you about the types of information that you tell your opponent before the game starts mm. but before before you answer that question again i'm going to acknowledge hayden in the chat another good question and he talks about digital tools and we're talking about some people have access to their they bring i i, I bring it mm. i bring my tablet especially because i travel a lot play warhammer go overseas domestically i travel and i have all of the battle tomes on my ipad mm -hmm. so when i'm at tournaments i will often have my opponent's battle tome on my iPad as well. So if I do need to check the rules, again, they're welcome yeah. to do so. But if my opponent, if, if that was my battle tome, let's say I didn't have the physical copy, um, but I only had a digital copy, again, the invitation is there. Maybe I don't give them my iPad, but I might say to them, guy, if you, if you want to check my rules, let me know, and I'm happy to bring up the battle tome. I'm happy to show you where it says in this particular artifact, spell, trait, allegiance mm -hmm. ability. Um, again, it's being open and honest. That's that's the goal. That's the intention, and because I want to have a good game, I yeah. I don't want to win because when we talk, I I gotcha. I gotcha is like the big surprise. It's like um, not telling my opponent that I could teleport and steal an objective at the end of the game. Yeah. If I didn't tell them that 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 I had a teleport ability, they thought I'm just going to walk up the board and I'm just going to have to fight you. Yeah. Or like being like, okay, these guys are in the shadow strike host, and not telling your opponent that that means they can deploy three inches away. Like in old Shadow Strike host rules. Uh, definitely. Um, I think as far as the digital stuff goes, as long as I, I would, my one thing is that it's a legit version. I like to, I, I like to, like if you rock up with war scrolls that are printed out and they're the legit war scrolls, totally fine with it. But if you, and if your PDF version of your battle tome is the legit PDF version, again, totally fine. But, I don't love that they are there. I mean, first of all, pay where you play. I'm a big, big supporter of pay where you play. If you play games at a Warhammer store, pay at the Warhammer store. If you play games at your local store, play, pay at your local store. Buy some stuff online because it's cheaper. I don't fucking care. But have the legit stuff. And uh, I think that for for looking at it sometimes, I've, I've definitely seen people who've rocked up with... What are very clearly PDFs of scanned battle tomes? And I'm like, cool. However, I would love to check the real legit one just to know for myself um, that it's definitely straight up. So I would say that I, if it's legit, anything. And I've shown people, I, I necessarily because iPads are expensive, 
I've shown them on my iPad. I've never expected to hold their iPad. I'm like, you fucking hold it because I don't want to be responsible if I drop it. Can you just show me this? And then they show me and I'm like, sweet, we're great. You take your expensive techno gizmo away from me because I don't want any form of responsibility. Also, there's beers on the table. Keep it a safe distance from the beers. Uh, and and I think that that for me is is where that there is a line there in the same way that I I, don't, I personally and I know that this is a personal thing I don't like dice rolling apps um, because I play a dice game to roll dice everybody's entitled to their own opinion you are allowed to disagree with me but if you can't roll the amount of dice necessary to play your game you're in the wrong game that's my opinion happy to be proven wrong but I don't like dice rolling apps for that reason and everyone's different. So, I, I, shudder, I shudder your thoughts. Yeah. By the way, two things before I, I do let you answer that question that I did lead you towards. Uh, I thought of two taboos that I wanted to acknowledge as well from Ooh, ta- yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Tyler, Taylor's question. Um, one is don't roll my dice. So, um, so, 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 so that, that, is, that is generally a taboo. COVID or no COVID, um, you should roll your dice. Um, uh, d- try. Uh, yes, it is easier. Like if Dan, Dan, you know, goes through the motions, hit to the wound, we got the damage. It, yes, it is easier for me to pick up Dan's dice and roll Dan's dice. But it, it's rather taboo unless your opponent invites you to use their dice. Uh, use your own dice. So that'd be kind of taboo one that I would acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a similar vein, taboo number two is don't touch my don't touch my models unless I invite you to do so. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so if, if, if I'm trying to, like, remove combat or whatever, um, I might invite you to say, hey, can you just remove five dudes from combat? But um, don't touch someone's model. Because I think, again, to the point of the, the breakage of the iPad, you would also don't want to accidentally drop a model and it breaks or chips or you scratch it. Because... Um, no, I... I was actually going to say, and I totally lost the plot of Taylor's question there, so thank you for pulling me back up on that. I was down a rabbit hole that I didn't know I'd fallen into. Uh, it's For me, it's models. The dice thing... The dice thing, I can understand that other people have differing views. Myself, I believe my luck rolls in my dice, and we are war dolly players who roll dice. I would argue that most of us are very superstitious about our dice. I have microwaved a dice while lining a a die while lining up the other die of that type in front of the microwave as an example to them to be like, just so you know, if you don't improve, this is what will happen to you. This is your fate. I've got 3D printed dice jails. (laughs) Just like the dice jail. Like you rolled too many ones when I didn't need you to roll ones and you rolled sixes when I didn't need you to roll six, you go to jail. Dice shaming. I'm about it. I'm, I'm totally aligned with it. Dice shaming is necessary. Uh, so touching the dice is a taboo for me, but it is also one where the logical part of my brain can accept that, that people have a different opinion. And sometimes it's easier if I've rolled a bunch of dice rather than me counting it out and then them counting, they're like, yeah, it's going to be quicker to do this. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. Touching. At least ask. At least ask. I think. I think yeah. is the key. I think For the key sure. here is ask. Like, do you want me to roll your dice or do you want me to roll my dice? Like, mm. at, at least gr- get get that foundation right, as opposed to just assuming. But touching your opponent's models is for me the biggest and greatest taboo of our hobby, unless you are directly invited, and even then, I ask for them to be specific as to which models they want me to touch. Uh, like the like. And sometimes it doesn't matter. 
it's it'll be oh can you just uh, they'll roll the charge and they're like can you just move him into that and because gameplay wise it probably doesn't matter at that point and you're like great yeah cool uh, i'll just move them there is that good cool however yeah you you don't touch your opponent's models without invitation and even then and, and it's not a request you don't ask to touch their models you wait for the offer to be made we are a delicate and beautiful butterfly that is wrapped in a cocoon and we have spent many hours building and painting our models i don't care how good a builder or painter you are they could be like melted by plastic glue to the point that they are unrecognizable and only like sprayed and shaded i still don't touch my opponent's models with anything less than respect and not until they offer first and oftentimes at tournaments it's because you can't be bothered walking like 200 meters that way to get around that end and then coming back down to remove them and then walking back around but still touching your opponent's models is the biggest and baddest taboo and it's only ever happened a couple of times where someone's done it to me and i was like huh. and I, I will straight up say to people because as far as i'm concerned the possibility of one of my models being damaged is worth the 10 seconds of awkward conversation where i'm like hey i understand it's not the same for everyone but my models are my children i love them more than i could ever love a human child so please uh just like i just i just need to give you the heads up to touch them and most people are like oh i'm so sorry dude i didn't realize and i'm like yeah yeah i'm not attached to people the way i am attached to my bearded beautiful miners so that's totally cool i understand and anyone who's ever had to glue a model at a tournament while trying to play would know the frustrations of a breakage. So you, you want to avoid that. Because you know that you could leave it broken, but you're like, no, I came no. all this way and I will stab you with my trident. I remember playing Clint with at Masters and he had his Abyssal Terror. He had, I think, Manfred and it, it, the, 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 the tail had snapped. And we tried to play this game and we're trying to glue down Manfred or it might've been Arcan, but long story short, like this, it is a super wo wo uh, wo you know, wobbly model. So we didn't get that far, mm. but I did ask you another question. I did ask what are the type of things that you will ask your opponent or you'll tell your opponent about your army? Cause we've talked a lot and we've danced around. I gotchas a lot. Mm. So I gotcha is basically a surprise that, you know, you didn't tell your opponent and mm. if they knew the information, they may have played differently or at least, potentially factored it in mm -hmm. so i never tell my opponent everything it's not i'm not going to tell them literally everything i'm not going to tell them mm -hmm. what my best my best unit is and how i'm going to beat them and i'm not going to mm -hmm. tell them everything but i'm still going to be very open about the information i share with them um what are the things that you share with your opponent and then i can share what some of the things that i'd share with mine uh i i'll tell them Anything that they would, like, it's more efficient because in a perfect world, we would know who we're playing a day in advance and we'd sit down and read everything we can about their army and their army list and then we'd rock up and we would just deploy and say nothing and in silence we would stare at each other like poker players. But we play this game to be social, or I assume we do. Maybe in the future that's what's going to happen. So for me, I share everything I can. And, and in that, I mean everything that I can that doesn't give away how I will play my army. I will tell you what my army is, what everything does, and, and the things that, like, maybe, like, I don't want them to, to misjudge things is, would be a big one. Like, if I tell you, like, like, I will, like, when I was playing Dispossessed, I would try to impress upon my opponent that I and Drake's, my opinion, are point for point the best shooters in the game. This is, these are their rules. 
they're badass. And I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you then the heroes, and I'll tell you everything. Uh, but I won't say that, and, and it might be for someone who's played a fair bit of the game or who's read up on my army, might know what I am planning on doing with them. But I'm mm. not going to say my game plan is that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and blah, 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 blah. I, I think for me, it's like if you were playing chess against someone and the pieces did certain things, but you could take different pieces, it's telling your opponent, like, I have pawns, they can do this. I have knights, they can do this. I have that. And explaining to your opponent how your army works. The big one for me is army-wide and, like, conditional special rules because they're the ones that that can get lost a little bit. So it's useful explaining that. But no, I don't expect my opponent to tell me my trogs do this and my blah, blah does this and my blah, blah has this spell. And when I combine them all, they uh, turn into Captain Planet. I don't need to know that. But what I would love to know is what each of those independently do. And then either I'm smart enough to work that out or I'm just like, fucking let's go. And it happens to me and I'm like, that was incredibly horrifying, but I'm really glad that it was an experience I had. And I think that 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 is a really hard one for some people to realize is that your opponent doesn't need to tell you everything. They don't need to tell you how their army works. They don't need to tell you their strategy. They don't need to tell you how the combos work. I just need to know that they're not hiding a rule from me. Like if you were to go through the Gaunt Summoner and tell me everything about their summoning rule, I'd be like okay, that's fucked. Whereas, or like your pink horrors, when you put your pink horrors on the table, if you didn't tell me what they were capable of in in just infinitely replicating, I would be pretty surprised. And I think that for me is the level of explanation you need to give. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah, I think that's where um, you really do get to set the scene when it comes to being a, a good sport. Um, so some of the things that I like to ask my opponent is things like, have you have you played this army before? Mm, um, yeah. Because some, because some people they don't want war and peace. Um, they've played corn a million times, so you don't need to explain to them how blood tithe work. Mm. That you know they've seen hex gorgeous skulls, so they don't need to know that mm. that there's going to be you know x y and z. And if I roll an eight, it's automatically unbound and you know, all this stuff. But it might be understanding like what's your experience levels? Is this the first time you played Cities of Sigma, or is have you played this a million times? And they go, "Oh no, a, a, a person at my games club plays Cities of Sigma." I go, "Cool. Have they played Halo Heart?" And they're like, "Oh no, they're playing one that they come from the sides." So, well, actually, okay, okay, well, my army's different. Let me explain it. Very different, yeah. Very different, and obviously, Cities is a, you know is just one example. But there's things that I want to make sure that they know. You know, mm. things like. Um, am I deploying all of my army on the table at the same time or can I put some things in reserves? Mm. And if I do have things like reserves, like let's say Shadow Warriors, the conditions of them having to be um, on the table by by, by turn four Mm. and they come in nine inches or more from the enemy. So yeah. they need to know that. Now, I'm not going to tell them where the Shadow Warrior is going to go. I will tell them I get plus one to hit, plus one to wound when they're in cover. But they need to know that this will be in reserve and this is how I can bring them in. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I might want to let them know some of my threat ranges. So I might say to them, you know, and this might be a question you want to ask your opponent is, you know, how fast is your army or can you turn one charge me? That's um, a big one. <laughs> like, can you turn one charge me? Because you might... because. The moment you realize that you're playing a, a, a more crusher, you're like, oh, I can handle that. I'll give you first turn. All of a sudden, they charge you. You're like, oh, 
I wouldn't have done that if I knew that you could have turned one charge because I want to put down all of my buffs. I need a command point. I want to try to cast a spell. So mm. things like that. Things like, can you turn one charge me? Or how fast can you move in the first turn? Can you mm. teleport during the game? Um, what is, what's a spell that I need to, you know, what's, what's the most damaging spell that you've got? Mm. Um, there might just be a couple of questions so that when it comes to, again, Hallow Heart, I might have eight to ten spells to cast. You don't have eight to ten unbinds. So what's yeah. that one or two spell that you might want to focus on should we get to that point? Um, yeah. And, there, and there's a difference between telling people what your spells are and trying to hide your key spell and being like, so I've got, you tell them like four spells and, and I, I, I've seen people guilty of it and I'm like, I know your tricks where they tell you like the first four spells that are fucking meaningless but sound scary. And then they slip in that one just quietly in the middle and they go diggity diggity diggity. And so they're trying to draw out your unbinds on other ones. And I'm like, cool. I, I see yeah, I see your games. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I think like for me, one of the big ones is I always make clear, especially if I have an army that has things that can like redeploy mid game or teleport or things that deploy off the board. Before we start the game, I will make abundantly clear to them what makes that happen how often i can do it and like what can do it because that for me is a huge one that i always i it's the question is i ask myself what i really want to know from my opponent and i try to give my opponent that information yeah and and i think that's a really good one to think is it's like if you would be pissed off to not know something about your opponent's army tell your opponent that in your own i've seen um so I, I used to do this. I don't do it anymore. I probably should do it. But I remember when I used to play um, the Free Guild. Or they used to be called Free People, which now has been brought into the Cities of Sigma. And Unlike they used Dispossessed, to have... who still maintain their own independence. By the way, I'm running Dispossessed currently in TTS. Oh, so... no! But it's in a, ha yes! but it's in a Hallow Heart. It's in a Hallow, Hallow Heart army. Oh, so... never mind. So it's in like this anti-magic immunity. But, okay, but I remember... Um, I remember, so Cities of Sigma had this really complex, sorry, free, free people had this really complex rules interaction where basically you'd put these these units in a battalion, essentially. It's not even a battalion. It was like a big uh, three units. Company. The great company, yes. Yeah. So you'd go, all right, I've got a unit of swordsmen, I've got my crossbowmen, and I've got my handgunners. And if you charge my swordsmen, my handgunners, and my crossbowmen are going to shoot you before combat starts. And there was a couple of conditions with it, and uh, it was very complex. And, it's, and usually by, it was like turn two, turn three, I would actually use the rule. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would do is I would write down like a little cheat sheet or on my, on my army list, I would actually have a couple of key bullet points that they might want to know, mm -hmm. such as the way the, the great company works, maybe how many drops that I've got, maybe some of the spells. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, if you're looking to improve your game, there are ways that you can, you can again, show sportsmanship and go, look, yeah. here's some of the things you want, you might want to know, or the things that you might most have a question to ask about. Yeah. And See, those little things that you can give your opponent, I think, are, uh, I always love. Like, I always work out for my army what my minimum and maximum drops are so that I can rock up to the table and be like, sweet, I am a 3 or a 13. I'm a, I'm a 3 to 13. And then when my opponent... And because we know the question. We can spend five minutes backing and forthing, but ultimately, if you're like, this is my minimum drop, whoever has the lowest drops is going to choose 
So mm. if we just go, I'm a three to thirteen, and you go, I'm a one to eleven. I'm like, sweet, you drop twice, and then the rest of your army, and then I drop the rest of mine. Makes it like that sounds fair, right? And they're like, yep. So we go one one. They do theirs, and then I do mine. Rather than the whole like monkey knife fight from The Simpsons on the deck of a, a, a yacht where we're going like, oh, but maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do this. And then if my opponent drops the wrong unit, rather than me going, aha, yeah, you activated my trap card, you fucked up, and now I get to do... You just go, mate, is that exactly what you wanted to do? And they're like, it is not. Because I've done that before. And I, I wonderfully had an opponent who was like, he's not in the battalion, though. He's in the battalion, isn't he? Or, or whatever. And I was like, yep. And they're like, so you can't finish your drop next turn. And I went, correct absolutely correct you have i have snookered myself congratulations and he was like no nah, no nah, dude just swap to the other thing and whatever and we'll go from there you obviously would have done that you are just in game five of day two and you're very drunk and i was like you are a blessed scholar for giving me this moment and i i don't expect everyone to give everyone that opportunity but it is the intent thing and i think that that's a huge for me that's huge is is if you build that with your opponent, they're likely to be a lot more understanding of those things. And I'll be that much more understanding with you too. You're right. You, you kind of segued into somewhere I wanted to explore, and that was uh, forgetting rules. Now, there's been plenty of times where uh, my opponent, for example, has gotten really excited in their, I don't know, their hero phase, and um, they've cast a whole bunch of spells, but then they forgot to use a command ability or they forgot to activate something. And now they're in the movement phase and like, oh crap, I forgot something. Or maybe they're in combat and they wanted to activate and um, they forgot a shooting. They forgot shooting before the charge, right? How do you how do you work with someone who has forgotten a rule or or have, has forgotten a phase? Um, do you allow them to go back? Do you? Uh, is there a methodology on when you would let someone do something versus when you haven't let somebody do it? Because um, I've got some scenarios where there have been times where I've said, sorry, we're, no. we're too far progressing this game that you can't do that. Um, so a prime example was I remember playing an opponent where they got to attack in the hero phase, but before they did that, they wanted to apply their buffs and they started moving their units. And it's like, well, wait a second, we can't go back because we can't go back to see what mm. was in range and what you could synergize. And, and there was some, yeah, at the time there was some like, Holy within eight, holy within twelve. So they're quite yeah. small kind of radiuses. Mm. So I guess to the question, mm. how do you, how do you handle someone, or how do you handle an opponent if they were like, oh, I forgot something, or you know, they, you know, would, do you give them the courtesy? Um, is there times that you would do it and you wouldn't do it, and what's the difference? I my my rule of thumb is abject fairness because it's really hard to disagree with that. So my the rule that I hold my opponents to is the same rule that I hold myself to is that if the decision missed makes a change on where, like on a decision that you are up to or like that you have made, then you don't get to go back. So for example, if it's like uh, you get to the charge phase and you're like, holy crap, I missed, I, I forgot to shoot with this. I'd be like, for sure you would have shot with that. And it hasn't changed any decision you've made yet. So go back and shoot with it. Or if they forgot to use a command ability, if they forgot to whatever it is that they forget, I'll, if it hasn't changed the shape of the game 
I, I, I will let you do it. And I wouldn't expect it any differently. So, for example, if I have a command ability that gives me plus one attack against something and I forget to use it and I roll all my hits and I roll all of my attacks and then I don't kill it and I go, ah, oh, damn, I forgot to use my command ability there. I wouldn't expect my opponent to let me go back and use that command ability. Wouldn't, not for, not for the, the, the world expect it because if I had done that command ability, maybe I wouldn't have charged two units into it. Maybe I would have shot differently. Maybe I would have done something else differently. But if it was literally, I moved these models up and then I meant to use an ability in the charge phase that would have let them get onto an objective, but I forgot because I was so distracted by this crazy combat and it literally will affect nothing else, then that is something that I would expect I would allow my opponent to do because it's not having an impact on any other decisions they've made. And that for me is like, that's the, the, the black and white of it would having remembered that have changed what you've done since if the answer is yes you can't go back if the answer is no you would have done it anyway then let's rewind the clock and let's do it because ultimately i was probably expecting you to and again it's a gotcha thing that's a gotcha moment of gotcha you forgot yeah and th and that was very old school warhammer fantasy where you know there are a lot of war scrolls there's a lot of books there's a lot of things we need to remember. Mm. And there's been plenty of times where, um, and I think the biggest I gotcha moments that are probably across the board at the moment is unbinding an endless spell or dispelling an endless spell mm. because it happens at the start of the hero phase. Yeah. And people are so excited about, right, I've got my command points. I need to be able to uh, do a bunch of spells. I'm going to try to buff this and move this. And I'm, and they're thinking 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And then they, they go, oh, crap. Halfway through their casting, they're like, oh, crap. I was meant to unbind the Everblaze Comet because I wanted to then recast it. Now, you know they were going to do that. Um, yeah. Or they were always, you know, they've got these Geminids out there that you want to, like, it's 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 hit them. It, it's kind of hit them and, like, right, I've got to get rid of those Geminids so I can cast them back at my opponent. Um, yeah. So it's like this. And there's also, like, uh, depending on my opponent, depending on the relationship, um, there's been plenty of times where, like, game one or game two, I'll look at my opponent and I'll say no. You can't do this because it's a teaching moment. I want you to remember yeah. to do this for your next couple of games. Yeah. I'm not being a jerk. It looks like I'm being a jerk, but you will now remember every time you cast an Everblaze Comet, you're going to unbind that. Yeah. And when you move into other games, you'll remember this lesson. It's and that is and see if so, I think that's the thing is like I hold myself to the standard that I hold my opponent to, but yeah. if my opponent were to say that to me, I'd be like, yep, for sure completely understand totally fair i'm happy to roll with that it's the 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 point where you i would have a problem with it would be where my opponent disagrees with what i've decided and then applies a different logic to themselves and i think that is the correct if, if, if i then go around try, trying to say oh no can we go back it's an okay yeah. and like if yeah if, if you're gonna walk the walk you gotta talk the talk so yeah. you need to be able to do do the same thing. Mm. And I, I've actually seen that done really well where someone actually challenged them and said, you you didn't let me do this. It's literally the same situation. I'm not letting you do this. And like, yeah, fair call. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in that, that really famous Warhammer 40K clip from a couple of years ago where someone was like, no, nah, no, nah, mate, you did this to my friend in the last game. So I am sure is surely doing it to you this game. And uh, and that's that's it. You You build a set of expectations around yourself and then I don't care if you 
want your opponent to fit within it as long as you expect to fit within it yourself. One more, one more little idea that I just had before I move on to my next question. Yeah. Uh, we talked about dice. We talked about dice. We talked about you know taking uh, uh, taking away your misses and leaving your hits on the table. Another one as well is uh, a concept called cock dice, mm-hmm. where basically you roll a dice and it's it's kind of tilted or it's ne- not yeah. quite clear that's on a on a on a um, it's flat. Yeah. So so when when a dice is cocked, I will always re-roll that dice because yeah. it's not clear what the outcome was. Um, so I'll re-roll that dice so it's on a flat surface and we can tell. Yep. Um, that's another I, way for sports. That And for me, I don't mind what your side of that is as long as you're fair and clear. So I'll say to my opponent before the game, I'm the same. Unless it is flat, I'm going to re-roll it, regardless of who it benefits, yep. regardless of whether it's the tiniest little slant, I will re-roll that dice every single time. Um, and now... What and I, I just to avoid the awkward conversation to turn in, I'll ask my opponent, What will your version of that be? Like, because yeah. some people are like, If I put a dice on top and it doesn't fall off, it's fair game. And I'm like, Great, solid. I don't care what your answer to that question is. Or I've had people who have said, like, If it's cocked, whichever side is the most facing is the one that I, I will go by. And I'm like, Sweet. As long as that's the commitment that you're going to have for the rest of the game, I'm fine with it. Me, I want my dice flat. You like your dice curly. I don't care what the answer is as long as you are consistent in what you expect. Counting wounds is another example of that where yep. I always count up. So I, so as I take damage, my dice will go from one to two to yep. three to four because for me personally, that aligns to the behemoth table quite well. So I can clearly see that, you know, it's taken four wounds, so I'm at this profile. But yeah. some people as well, they count down. So it's, it's one of those questions as well when you're, when you're playing is, do you count up? Do you count down with your wounds? Mm-hmm. And again, applying consistency. I don't care how you do it. This is how I do it. I'm just going to make sure that when I see that the counter that says four on your Terrorgeist, is that, is that four wounds left? Or is that four wounds taken? Mm. And I should be able to clearly understand what that means for you, and you should know what that means for me. Yeah, I I realized that I am not good at that with myself. So I, I trust my opponent to be good at keeping an eye on them, and I'll, I'll keep an eye on them, but I'm like, I am not good, or I'll pick up the dice that was a wound counter because I get excited or whatever. And some people use different dice. So now I just use little blood markers for mine. And I'm like, every wound that they take, I add a blood marker to it. So I'm effectively counting up. Uh, and and the, the pile of blood beside them is how much they're bleeding. Because if I put dice beside them, I will mess it up. Also, I find that it's, you can't, for me, the reason I choose to do that is I can't accidentally take a blood counter off the table. You can accidentally knock a dice. You can accidentally pick up and roll a dice in the heat of the moment. It happens to everybody. You know where you've been playing the game and then you roll yeah. and you're like, he had some number of wounds on him. Bugger me if I remember what it was. I think it was two. Was it two? I don't know. It was two. Maybe it was two. Okay, let's go with two. And it could have been any number. Whereas like I use these little... The, the biggest danger with my little red cubes from Green Stuff World is they look like jellies and would be very easy to eat and they look edible. They look so, so edible. And given that I uh, do like to have a drink at a tournament, I one day see myself eating one. And it's probably very carcinogenic, very delicious for sure, but 
gonna and then you and Jacob Berry will have something in common when it comes to uh, consuming things that you shouldn't consuming uh, from the tabletop. Here, that boy has an iron stomach, and I don't even want to know about his intestines. Um, you know, you you raise something that is not a d six um, or a d twelve. Yeah. Um, you know, a dice that is clearly not my regular dice. Um, but you're right; it can be knocked over. And if it ever got knocked over, I will always go with what my opponent says. If I yeah. think it was seven seven wounds taken, and my opponent thinks it's eight or nine, I will go with them um, mm-hmm. because it was my fault that I knocked over the dice. Um, yeah. I should have been tracking it a better way. So um, again, I don't want to. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest and fair. I think and that's a big point to being like, you are responsible for your own actions. So if you make a mistake, you are responsible for resolving it in the best way possible for the person who didn't make it. In the same way that in a contractual dispute, ambiguity in the contract is uh, to the benefit of the partner that didn't write the contract. A mistake in war dollies is to the benefit of the person who did not make the mistake. That would be my legal tender to this conversation. I love it. Also, I ran out of mixer a little while ago, so I've been drinking straight Bacardi for a while. Uh, Full disclosure. Love it. I love it. So um, I think we've we've had some pretty cool discussions so far. Uh, One that I'm going to ping you on, because this is the first moment that I remember Dan being an absolute gentleman when it comes to being a sport. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know if you know what, where I'm going with this one, but uh, you will quickly remember. That's why I'm scared. Briscon, Briscon, 2017. I remember playing playing on a table next to you, and you had these objective markers, and you had six of them or five of them, and you oh. gave each of your opponents an objective marker as a grudge, and you mm. said, um, I want you to take this objective marker. It was like a little resin piece, and you had said, um, I want you to keep it, but know that I want to collect it back off you the next time we play. Um, and it was a nice little way of like book of grudges, a token and gesture to kind of give your opponent a little gift and a reminder of that game. So what I want to ask you, uh, I, do you remember that? I do. I still do it when I can. Um, I, cause I kind of like the idea of everybody swapping objectives and then trying to collect the ones they've lost and whatnot. I kind of dig that. So let me ask you about uh, bribery versus sportsmanship. Do you... What are your thoughts on giving your opponent a pre-game gift or buying your opponent a drink? Um, is it something you do, you do often? Um, I certainly do it, especially when I go overseas. Um, when I've gone to Blood and Glory, I went to LVO. I went over with some like Australian little gift bags for my opponents, you know, some beers, some Tim Tams and different things. But where do you stand when it comes to uh, a pre-game gesture? Um. As far as like a sportsmanship vote goes, I couldn't give two fucks. Uh, to be honest, it's not the, it's not, it's not the intention. You're not there no, to bribe somebody. Like I, I've I've honestly had a couple of unpleasant games where I've given them the objective token, and I fully expect that those players have then thrown it out and never thought of it again. I've also had people who I then rocked up to play again at the next tournament who had desecrated it and covered it in bone splitters filth and been like, I was hoping I'd face you again. <laughs> Remember that Dwarden statue you gave you? And I was like, yes. And then they showed it to me covered in excrement. And I was like, I will destroy you. Uh, for me, it's more about building connections and those wonderful little stories. I'm very passionate about the hobby and I like sharing it. 
and I think like for me being over here, uh, I had a bunch of, uh, for, for one thing that I, I couldn't take to America, I had the Everblaze Comet and it, the, the tournament, the first tournament I played in was held on Easter. So I converted my Everblaze Comet to hold a Kinder Egg because Kinder Eggs are my favorite thing in the entire world. If you look on my Instagram, there's a video of me on my 30th birthday. I was given 30 and I threw them into the air and just let them rain on me like a delicious white chocolate, milk chocolate rain. They're, they're illegal so, in America as well, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't cross the border. Couldn't take it to the LBO. Uh, but... It, because obviously they're, they're dangerous. Children can have an AK-47, but they can't have an Easter Blaze Comet. Political, not we're talking about it. Uh, but I, so I renamed it in my list, the Easter Blaze Comet. And every person that I played, went, every time I summoned it, I had, a, I had a bag of 15. And every time I summoned my Easter Blaze Comet, they got uh, a, a Kinder Surprise. And I insisted that they make the toy in front of me because I'm a child that wanted to see the toy. Uh, and then we would use the toys as objective markers and we replaced the objective markers with Shrek or whatever the hell the toy was at the time. And it was a lot of fun. But the intent for me at that, in that moment had nothing to do with sportsmanship. It was because I was like, this is funny. This is a great joke. And I, I really enjoy Kinder Surprise and I want to share it with you in the same way that for yourself, as an Australian, you want to share Tim Tams with people. Or I've, I've played people here in Canada who were like, I'm, I, I bought you Timbits. I'm like, what the hell are Timbits? And then I eat them and they're revolutionary. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't tried Timbits yet. But, uh, but they're from Tim Hortons and they're great. And it's a, it's, I think that some people maybe, yes, that is their intention. And that's really sad that, that for them it's a purchase and it's a transaction. But I think that there are enough of us that are just passionate about the hobby. We're passionate about the game. We're passionate about whatever it is. There are people out there who dress up as monks and shave their heads for tournaments. And I think we all know who I'm talking about. And that, for me, I would rock up against that. Or Ninja, like, or Ninja Turtle costumes. Possibly, or they all dress up as Ninja Turtles. Who knows who enforced that on people not, who did not. Not talking about Dan them. dressing up as a Ninja Turtle. I, uh, at a team tournament, once made every member of my team buy and dress up as one of the Ninja Turtles, um, despite the fact that poor Dan Brewer was far too tall for the largest size in the costume and that thing tried to bisect him from trunk to skunk. Um, but it was fun and it was great. And I think that the majority of people, when they're doing these things, that's their intent. And I, I yeah. agree that sometimes, sometimes... The minority of people may want to use it to purchase sports or to conceal something. But the larger truth for me is that if somebody does something for me like that before game, even if they buy me a beer, I'm like, it's not for me. I don't consider it to be anything towards sports. The game is separate to that moment. All I realize is that they're a human being who's done a really lovely thing. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, there's been plenty of times where, uh, and this, this is often a... a I, I've seen this this become popular recently, and that is uh, at the end of the game, especially when the game kind of goes one way, the winner will often uh, ask the opponent, can I buy you a drink? 
Yeah. And should should there be any bad taste or the opponent's not feeling good, you know, at least we can go have a beer, have a drink, uh, and just have a general chit chat that has nothing to do with the game and the game on, on the tabletop. Um, I've seen plenty of times where people have said, hey, look, I've deployed. I'm just going to get a drink. Can I buy you a drink? Um, there's been times where when I played with my Goom Spike Kits, I went to Ikea, and Ikea had these little, like, gummy gummy mushrooms. So I had this little bowl at every tournament I'd go to, and every time I'd eat my mushroom for my Gits to get my, my, my pluses to cast, you I would eat, eat my little... eat a uh, Well, a gummy mushroom. But I would, you know, like it, it would be some lollies or some snacks that my opponent is is welcome That's to eat, great. should they want to eat it. But it, it's, it has nothing to do with me bribing. It's just me being a good human. So, again, there's, you know, whether you want to give them a token. Um, I remember playing in the teams tournament with Martin Orlando, and we painted each other a model, and we traded that. Uh, oh, in preparation, cool. which is really nice, I made him a mm. a Lord Ordinator uh, in his um, in his army scheme, and he painted me a little loon boss. Uh, that was another way we could kind of demonstrate sportsmanship in something yeah. that we'd never met each other in real life. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah. I think that, uh, to your point, they're nice gestures, but not necessarily. Uh, I'm going to bribe people to make me think that I'm the best sport in the world. I I think that if the intent is to bribe people for things. It's a very, it's very obvious. Whereas if, and it's because it's clear that there's an ulterior motive. You can tell when you meet someone, if their reason for doing something nice for you is because they're excited and they're happy and they're enjoying themselves and they want to share this with you. I now, yes, the world is not always perfection, but I don't know. I it's definitely happened to me once where I was like, "Oh, I see through your games." But every other time it's been purely based out of love. And my to be honest, the reason that I give people uh whenever I play Dispossessed a dispossessed objective at tournaments is I want to remind them that dispossessed we uh exist, and I also want to remind them that if I win that they lost to dispossessed. Uh I want them to have a solid and enduring reminder that they lost to my non-existent faction. Yes, Jack from Rerolling Ones, gummy edible mushrooms. Uh, I, I quickly had a look to see if I had any on my counter still. Unfortunately not, but they're little little gummies that you can get from Ikea. They sell them in the, um, the, little, the little, little shop. The, the one um, thing I'll flag, though, for you, Coach, is that edible has a very different, <laughs> like, like, like like the impact behind it between where you are and where we are right now i did say um, gummy i did say gummy so yeah no um, gummy fine they are still gummy here i was given what looked like a packet of skittles that left me twitching for a very long time um what uh, re-rolling ones jack asks a very good question that i, I was gonna, i was going to bring that up i was going to bring that up i want to ask you th- a couple of rapid fire questions okay though, sure. and i will get to I... jack's question yeah the on. rapid fire question i've got for you because we've kind of talked about the about the tabletop right and we'll get to jack's question in a second is the usage of mobile phones now uh i see people kind of sitting on the fence here so one uh thoughts around using mobile phones during the game two social your media interaction three taking photos what are your thoughts from a sportsmanship point of view about taking photos social media and using mobile phones okay. they all all interlinked. okay sweet uh using your mobile phone it, for me is a big negative for for communicating with people you're here to communicate with me it's a tinder date it's probably our first date 
Uh, if it's at a tournament, we're on a very strict time pressure. And if you're sitting there messaging people, if it's an emergency and you're like, hey, this has happened, I'm so sorry. I'd be like, dude, you take all the time you need. But if it's just you're messaging your mates, I'm not about it. I also don't like the possibility, like there is that, there's that, that devil's advocate in the back of all of our head that's just like, they're messaging someone about how to beat you. Like, or, or like they're asking questions. It's dis- I, I find it disengaging. I find yeah. it like, like I don't mind people being on their phones because I, I can't stop someone from not dealing with real life for three hours. Mm-hmm. But it's often like the length of their own. If they're sitting there while I'm doing my whole thing for five or 10 minutes yeah. and they're not paying attention yeah. and then they ask questions like, oh, what, 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 how many do you have to roll again? What's the number? And like, and like you can clearly see they're not yeah. paying attention. That's, that's a problem for me. No. Well, you're, you're here to play me. You're not here to play Susanna that you've been messaging. And bless you, I'd love to know how your Tinder game's going, but I just, I'm here for war dollies and relationships can wait until after my Warden King's taken your Goblin Loon boss's head off, uh, which is a thing that would happen 100% of the time, every single time. Don't you agree? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No. Uh, so yeah, uh, mobile phones I don't love. Now, social media, I, I am about within reason like if it's kind of like i i've had a number of people and i've done it myself where before game i'm just like shit yeah let's grab a photo or after game i'm like let's grab a photo um and then we we go and play the game i'm about that i don't mind it i think it's fun it's it's expanding it but if it's every turn every moment every everything that's when i'm like cool i'd love i'd love again it's imagine the person you're playing as a first date and they're saying that their eyes are up here, not down on your phone. Yeah. Might be yeah. it. And um, and the last one there is taking photos. Love it. All about it. Re- but again, within reason. Like if something remarkable happens or if there's a particularly cinematic shot, like I've legitimately played people that we've been, I've been like, this is where this is happening. Can we do this best because the cinematics look better and and if they're like cool, and then I'll I'll take great pains to make sure that we like perfectly replicate where they were afterwards. But sometimes like you have a an unforged charging into like Gordrak, and we know how that story plays out. But gosh, it's a funny photo, and like that's that for me is a great one to do. But it's within reason. If you're doing that every thirty seconds, I'd be like, again, we're here for war dollies, not for taking a ton of photos. Uh, my two cents on the issue, by the way, is um, mobile phone. I think we just need to lean into it. Uh, you know, as as uh, as a trainer, I, I, I work in learning and development. Um, yep. I can't ignore people not playing with their phones, but it's how do I minimize that and lean into it. So we've yep. got our mobile. We've got the app. We've got the Age of Sigmar app. So people might right be using up. that for their rules cool um i'm a big believer of taking photos but again to your point it's about taking photos but not not paying attention so i want to make sure that i'm still paying attention i'm taking photos uh, at appropriate times Mm -hmm. i will always take a photo with my opponent i'll ask them if they're on twitter or instagram and tag them um i might take a photo of the battlefield so like just after deployment Yep. But I'm only only take a couple of games during the game. I won't be taking photos every single round in every single no. combat. Um, when it comes to yeah, mobile phones, just keeping it to a minimum. Um, and you might only pick it up at key moments. And like movement phase might be an example where you know it's probably le- least interactive. But when it comes to hero phase, and I need to be able to unbind, or if yep. it's combat, so I've got to work priority and pile ins. 
mobile phones down, not touching yeah. it. Yep. I remember having, uh, gosh, I, I think it was a butcher that had uh, a, an unbind and managed to unbind Nagash on an absurd roll. And I was like, can I grab a photo of that? Because Nick, I like I rolled dub sixes on this roll, and I love the idea that my smelly, sweaty butcher just said no to Nagash, and my opponent was like, "You better believe that that's fantastic." But if I was to then ask to take a photo every time my butcher did anything, that's maybe pushing the friendship a touch. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's I context, that- it's timing, it's just, it's it's again, it's 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 about being present in the moment. So it's about if you are going to break away, yeah, yeah, it, it's self awareness. Any anything and checking rules entirely fine. Don't mind checking like like looking at my rules, your rules, looking at things, making plans, sitting there, great. But when but every time that you choose to to disengage from the game, yeah. I'd just ask that it's for a decent reason, and it's not because you're like, oh, I don't just because it it feels like you don't care. And again, treat your games of war dollies like a, like you're wooing someone. Treat it like you care. Treat it like you're interested. Now, you know what? You guys spend a lot of time flirting on Tinder, so you may as well enjoy the game. I feel like this is a moment that I should end the show, but I'm like, I can't end the show because I've got Jack's Not question and i got like okay. one more. I've got like no, one more question I want to ask. But no, let's do it. I'm about that, it. I don't care. That was a bit like a kumbaya kind of let's all hug. Warhammer is the best. I mean, and and you know what? We're let's be completely honest. Just to step away from the the feel good moment for a minute. We're not always going to be like that. We're not always going to be hugging. We're not always going to be all getting on on the same side and positive. Things are going to go wrong. And I think a bigger telling thing that we haven't touched on that isn't a big conversation. If you've got two brain cells to rub together, you know it's the truth. Is when we disagree. A big sign of how good a player you are and how good a person you are is how you handle disagreements. And, uh, and it's, it's tricky. It's a complex minefield that's different with every single situation. But how you handle a disagreement with your opponent speaks miles more than how you handle all of the positive agreements. Well said. Well said. Because you will disagree. In the heat of the moment, in the heat of the battle, there are times where things will... will you want them to go your way as much as you want them to go your way. Um and you can rules lawyer and argue until the cows come home. But, you know, this is where there's been plenty of times where we've rolled it off on the old, on yeah. a four plus, I get the yeah. rule. On a three plus, you get your rule. Mm. Um, or you call over the TO. I remember um, uh, I remember there's been a couple of times where I've called a tournament organizer and said, look, mm. this is a situation. This is what I believe. This is what my opponent believes. Step back. What yeah. is your neutral interpretation? I'm not going to yeah. try to influence the judge. This is this is how we see it. Yeah. What's your perspective? And if the judge rules against me, I accept that and I continue. I don't argue. I don't try to continue yeah. it. I don't try to like prove my point. If the TO rules it rightly or wrongly against me, then mm. we go with the decision. That's that's exactly. why they're there. Yeah. And and whether a short distance in the future you find out that maybe that wasn't the right rule, that that doesn't matter. That was the call on the ground. How many games of bloody tennis or cricket do we realize they didn't challenge the umpire and it turns out the umpire was wrong? That the umpire is there for a very specific reason and we all accept that. If you didn't like the umpire, don't take place in the game. We're human, and we make mistakes. 
We do. And I, I am very quickly to forgive it from people that make mistakes and will like embrace it and roll with it. So sorry. That aside, you had you had a question before we get to Jack's question. No, we'll get to Jack's and then we'll we'll go to Jack. We'll ask you the final question and then we'll kind of close things out. Okay, right. Um, Jack's question is: uh, What happens if someone basically told you that their goal was to win best opponent? How would you take that? I've never I've never experienced that, by the way. Me neither. Um, that was their goal. I've like I've told people before that that is the award that I find the most important and that i am the most proud of having won but that's their goal to win best opponent that's a challenge because if i think if someone were to say that to me i would challenge them and be like fair and if if at the end of this you are my best opponent fair enough but i'm a pretty decent judge of character so you're going to need to be genuine with me and and i yeah like i mean for me i'm i love i love like that that knowledge that that I've played people who I have made enough of an impact on and they've enjoyed the game against me enough to for it to be one of their favorites it's that's my highlight um and I I will I won't deny that but to say that I want to win best opponent seems odd I, I would never tell somebody that it was my intention. If it might be, maybe it is my intention. Maybe that is my yeah. goal. I would never tell my opponent because I feel like the moment you declare that is your goal, um, the pressure is on. It's a bit weird. Um, mm. I, I think anyone who I vote as a true best sports mm. is someone that, that earns it over time. Mm. Um, they don't need to tell me they're a good sport. They don't need to tell me they're a good human. You can tell a good human is a good human. Yeah, um, I'm a piece of trash human. I've won best opponent a couple of times, so like for sure, that should be evidence that uh, that you can you can rise from the mud and still be worthy. And so, as Zach and as Zach said, seems like the best opponent is unlikely to say that they're their best. That's yeah. I mean, I I definitely say that I'm the best all the oh, time yeah, but... to my opponents. Like I I want them to know that Dwarden are the best and are superior in all things. Even when I was playing Gutbusters. I was telling my opponents that Dwarden were the best and this was a secondment. But telling your opponent that you're the best opponent or that that's what you're going for, that it seems like an oxymoron to me. Like it it does it seems like counterintuitive logic. However, there are people who say that I want to win the tournament and then win the tournament. It could happen. It could happen. Um I would love to be a fly on the wall of every one of that opponent's games and work out why. Because I have definitely said to people that I care more about sports votes and, and best opponent votes than I do about my overall standing in the tournament. I, I am very guilty of that. But that's because that's just, for me, where my priorities in war dollies lie. But the, the idea that it, it would change that is is that's a actually that's a really i need to think about that that's a like you know that that story about the samurai or whatever who stabbed through the assassin without doing anything and just like ninja them that's that kind of moment for me it's it's thanks jack we've now got dan going up to the mountaintop uh, you broke me pondering this question i'm gonna need need to think and probably be sober for the first time 
All right, I'm going to bring you back to earth with my final question before we wrap things up. I feel like the last question I've got for you is, um, and I'm sure we've both been in this situation many times where we've noticed that our opponent is not having a good time. Mm-hmm. The dice rolls are not in their favor. Something they were trying to set up just didn't work and it's just kind of ruined their strategy or uh, a big combat has made them lose a big a big amount of the, the force. Mm. How do you handle or what do you do if you notice that your opponent is not having a good time? I, you know what? I, I would say that it's not your job to drag them kicking and screaming into positivity. And sometimes it's okay to wallow in self-pity. We're allowed to be down. Your opponent is allowed to be down. All I would say that if your opponent's not having a good time, I often try to see if I can perk them up a little bit see what I can do to try and, and bring them back up. But if it's clear to me that that's, that's where they are at the moment, I think that if you try harder to make them happy, it'll, they will, they're, people are smart. We are very complex creatures. Then they're going to know that you're trying to do it. And all it does is then make them feel guilty for how they're feeling. Mm. We are allowed to be disappointed when things go wrong. Like I've had games that I felt like I had in the bag and then, things go south very quickly and I'm left at the bottom of turn five with a major defeat just being like, oh, and it's shocking. But the last thing that you need is someone being like, oh, it's okay, buddy. Like, don't worry. This is what could have happened and everything would have been fine. And you, I don't need a cheer squad telling me everything's okay. Sometimes it's enough. Like I, I've had people after I had the ad the living shit kicked out of me who were just like, dude, that was rough. And I just sat there and I was like, yeah. And then, and we, we had a conversation and that for me comes in part in giving your opponent room to win. And I think that, yeah, bad things happen. We, it gets us down. I would say be understanding of your opponent, empathize with them. Now that doesn't mean you pander to them and you tell them that you're amazing or you play down or you play less. If you're destroying me, destroy me don't pull your punches i i can take it i'm if i'm playing at a tournament it's because that's what i want but there you just find a way to be human about it empathize be like that's rough i remember one time uh something charging into dangerous terrain and just completely crippling my opponent's battle plan and effectively handing me the win and i could see on my opponent's face that it was a a devastating outcome that it had, it had lost them the game and won me the game. And it was on a one in six chance. And I was like, anything I say now makes it worse. So I just, I just commiserated with my opponent and we moved on and we got through and, and by the end of the game, we were okay again, but sometimes we let our emotions run and that's fine. It's part and parcel of playing a competitive game. We're not robots in a room. It's, um, it's a, and this is where it's also like, you know, you hear people who whinge about the dice rolls, you know, and, you know, it's about, it's not blaming the dice rolls when, when they go pear shape, but also acknowledging when things go really well. Um, mm. And, you know, like, it's like, oh man, you know, I was really lucky to get that 10 inch charge. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you can't, also, you know, not, not whinging and, and blaming, but letting people let yeah you're right and 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 a, a strategy that i've found that's worked quite well is if if that does happen and um time is on my side i might say hey let's go grab a beer let's just go let's yeah. go get a drink you want yeah. to come to the bar for 5 minutes 
Um, and the game might still be going on, uh, but I might just remove them from the situation for five or ten minutes, breather, cool down, yeah. get to know them a little bit more, come back, and I found that they're in a bit of a bit of a better headspace by taking that mm. short break. Um, mm. That's suddenly, that's worked for me, but it doesn't always work. But suddenly, that sometimes when you do that, you it's almost that human reminder that you're both people and that that's what's happening for me uh, a, a big one that i i will celebrate my successful dice rolls that are at my opponent's detriment like when my dispossessed make a 10 11 or 12 inch charge i will throw my hands up in the air and scream that they are natural sprinters at the top of my lungs yeah however yeah. i will also air like abuse my my dice when they fail me hard like and and but I expect the same from my opponent when they make a clutch charge that is like guaranteeing them a really powerful turn. I'm not sitting there like crossing my arms, being like, "Yeah, motherfucker." It's and I think that one thing we kind of all need to to get better at is celebrating our opponent's wins and celebrating our wins. There is nothing wrong. Like I I remember being in a tournament where ten Iron Drakes shot Nagash. And I rolled double six for the damage on my uh, my two d six damage grudge hammer torpedo because it shot twice, and so twelve damage from that and the rest killed Nagash in a single round of shooting, and that that for me was kind of the moment where I went like, and I I celebrated the shit out of that moment, and it was when my opponent was just like you could see that it, it that wasn't meant to happen. That was an absolute anomaly. And in any other circumstance, it wouldn't have. But my opponent handled it really well. And we spoke about it afterwards. And they were like, yeah, they, it, I, it was actually, it was at Moab. It was the same tournament that I played Deke, what we were talking about earlier. And my opponent handled it really well. And was like, yeah, well, like, it happened. And I realized that if I'd have acted like a dick about it and been really upset, then you had a really crazy, ridiculous moment happen. And that's just what happens. And I was like, yeah, like that's that's kind of the way that's why we play the game and that's the way we play the game. So I remember um I remember playing a uh, a girl, uh Monica, up in Queensland last year. Mm. And uh, I was playing Hello Heart and mm. I cast a spell and I think I got it off on a sixteen, or maybe it was an eighteen. It was yeah. like it was a sixteen or an eighteen. As high as you can do, yeah. It's like it was like bonkers crazy. Hello hard, I got plus six to the cast. I think I rolled an eleven or a twelve. I had plus one from the hurricane and plus one from the battle the battle mage, uh being in range of the hurricane. It was just mental. Yeah. Monica rolled an eight. And the reason that's important is because she was playing corn. And corn <laughs> unbinds spells on a natural eight. And what did I do? I high-fived her. I, I congratulated yeah. her. Yeah. And and when those things go, go you, you're 100% correct. When things go your opponent's way, you celebrate with them because it means that the losses and the victories are shared amongst you. Yeah. And I think for me, that's probably a nice way to almost close out the show is mm. that um, we are playing a game. We're playing this for fun. There is literally like no money. You can't be retired, be a Warhammer player. Um, it's about the relationship. It's about walking away from the table and thinking, would I play this person again? And I hope that most of my opponents would say yes. 
I would love to play Anthony again. He was a good game. Whether he brought a super hard, competitive, broken, change host, Petrofix Elite, uh, the list is not the person. Uh, and I hope that every single person walks away. And that's my intention, is that people enjoy the game, whether I win, lose, or draw, whether it is a decisive game, whether it's a cliff biter at the end of the game, we walk away remembering it was a game and we enjoyed ourselves. And the empathy, the relationship, the trust is built over time. If, if you'd walk away from the game saying, I'd play that game again, you've done a pretty good job. Yeah, and there's a lot of things we can do, whether it's the way we start the game, the way we interact with our opponents, the way we end the game, um, the way that we introduce ourselves, the way we build a relationship, the way we are, interact on the table. That This topic is why we've gone over two hours, and we probably could, could talk like for an being a good human. So my advice to you at all is to think about what your goal is, Remember that your goal is to have five good games, mm. not to win the tournament. That's a bonus. Mm. Um, and if you can walk away with five good games, whatever the outcome is at that next tournament, you've achieved your goal. Yeah. Again, if your goal is to win, there's only one person out of all of the people there who succeeds. If your goal is to play five games of War Dollies and enjoy yourself. That is a bar that I believe everybody at a tournament should be able to leap. Dan, is there any finding, finding, final things you want to share? Um, any shout-outs, anything we haven't covered that is important when it comes to sportsmanship and just being a general good human at the, at the Warhammer table? The, yes, but it's weird. So I didn't really want to put it in context of everything. Ooh, but take. it's something that, that when, you, when you messaged me and asked about it, I was like, oh, fuck it. It doesn't make sense, but I swear it works. And that's, uh, I would say, like, to break your script... And one thing that I've noticed is a lot of people, we have these scripts that we live in. Like if someone asks you, like you meet someone and you say, like, how are you going? The response that you give is probably good or not bad or pretty good or not good. You know, like we're, we're very like we just give a, a canned response. Uh, about a year ago since I've been here, someone asked me one day and I'd been playing a lot of poker up late the night before. And they were like, how are you? And I was feeling great. So I was like, oh, I'm pocket aces. And then, and then afterwards, I was like, that was a fucking weird response. But for me, it, it became like a little change to my script. And every day when someone asks me how I am, I genuinely like to think about how I am, how I'm going, and, and how that would relate to a poker hand. And I think that in your games with War Dollies, if you can crack those little scripts, like when you're talking to your opponent, you'll actually find that you empathize with them more because you'll realize they're a human being and they're not just a series of responses that are already typed down on a keyboard. So what I would challenge is that if you would like in War Dollies to be a better uh, a sportsman and in life to be a more dynamic and fantastic human being, find out what the weird response to how are you today is for you and what that's more like. Sh it might be... If someone's like, how are you today? It might be a charge roll. It might be double sixes to charge. Or if they're like, how are you today? And you're like, I am snake eyes on a charge. And then people would be like, okay, fuck, he's rough. He's having a rough day. And if you can find those little things, like you change your scripts in games, in life, you'll find you're like probably a little bit more interesting to play and you'll feel 
more engaged to play against your opponent. I love it. Whenever I'm having a great day, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof because nothing's going to stop me. And mm -hmm. uh, it's like, and that was something that I learned from when I, when I did sales. And yeah. um, it was kind of like the what the mind harbors, the body manifests. But you, you've raised a really good final point, And that is that what we've talked about here is not just Warhammer skills. These are life skills. I'm sure when you think about this and put it into context with dealing with your family, your dog, your children, your work colleagues, your neighbors, these are things that you're showing for human empathy, trust, rapport, things that kind of build over time. So um, I hope you've walked away thinking about ways you interact. And I, I'm very excited when tournaments really resume. We're all going to be super happy. We're going to be so excited. We're going to hug each other when we can. We're going to shake hands. We're going to, you know, we're going to hang out. We're going to be really cool with each other. Um, and I think it's, it's, I've had a lot of reflection time now that, you know, haven't been able to play at the tabletop and remembering what's important. And it's not the tournament victories. It's not the prizes. It's the people. It's the games. It's the stories. And I can't wait to start having them again with people. And that would be it. Tabletop Simulator is a wonderful tool. But if it has taught me anything, it's that I miss the people. Dan, if the people wanted to find you, they want to chat to you more, they want to share stories about grumblings and grudges and 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 all things that are beard-related, where can they find you? Uh, so what they need to do is they need to take a small goat and attach it to a large firework. Then what they need to do is go into their nearest forest clearing and shoot it into the air. Now, the firework needs to be green and gold specifically uh, with a loud initial bang and then slight kind of a scattering of sparklers afterwards. Now, after they've set that on, they need to turn around backwards three times and do a backflip, which they don't complete and land face first on the ground. And then when they roll over onto to face the sky, they need to say, course, curse you Scorpio and then I will appear um, that is the best way to get in contact with me but failing that Twitter at Daniel Un Dan Unsupervised or, uh, or on uh, the Honest Wargamer on Mondays and Thursdays for uh, lists about ridiculous shit in Age of Sigma and uh, Soulbounder Down which is our Soulbound stream on Thursday nights you do run the best Soulbound show in my opinion so do go check that out Soulbound and Down love it, that stuff it has a very attractive cast of characters i mean you've got tristan who's a bit questionable at best with his looks but at least he's good at basketball he is great at basketball he is a ginger which is why we're very cautious about him and we keep him at arm's length it does have the most attractive gm of any uh of any like rpg show on twitch realistically uh, but yeah, uh, it, and yes, I am a, a Vancouverite at the moment. I've been unable to return to Australia due to the Coco Bovo. Uh, but you know, that's, that's fine. We'll, we'll get back and I'll go into America and I'll do all, I can't wait to go through all my tournaments in America. I'm so excited. I have so many things to learn about America, like mostly their beer, just a lot of their beer. So much beer. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Chat, thank you for hanging out and sharing a lot of questions. Um, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, don't forget, guys, to crush the like button and subscribe and all that good stuff that I meant to say in the YouTubes. I'm, I'm even going to try something different. I've even made this special ad roll that I'm going to start playing towards the end. But until next time, guys, happy wargaming. Dan, thank you very much again for being an awesome guest. I learned a lot, and I can't wait to start playing again. And hopefully we can play again soon. Oh, mate, yes. And, and in, like, real life, face-to-face, -face, that's what I want. I want to taste your tears when I crush your free guild handgunners. Not going to happen. All right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day.
G'day. I hope you enjoyed that video and you're left with some new ideas. One of the biggest ways you can contribute to AOS Coach is by liking the video you just watched and leaving a comment in the comment section. This lets YouTube know this is a good video and it should recommend it to other hobbyists. If you'd also like to support the channel even further like these bloody legends, go check out AOS Coach on Patreon. Otherwise, don't forget your triumph.